0: Tune in to the Neil Prendiville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. I'm Rory.
1: And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
2: That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM.
3: Okay, uh, much of it is to do with hospitality this morning, right? And you grab on to the positive, don't you? On the front of the mail this morning, outdoor dining on the menu in weeks. Who's saying this? With another politician jumping up on the parrot to get his Tuppensworth in, tu- tuppensworth in on the parapet. But late- lately it's Simon Harris <laughs> confirming that the government is looking at doing more earlier doing more faster which is what we want them to do all of the time uh, pubs now are 400 days this is the 400 day today uh, and they call it may day for the pubs the hope of reopening next month um, uh, you know will that be a pub as we call it, a traditional pub or will that be a pub that does gastro food certainly they're talking about the very first opportunity they can would be pubs and, and restaurants to um, to serve food outdoors and drink as well, and that's why I was mentioning yesterday that Cork County Council have a new grant system for hospitality that wants to uh, adapt or upgrade or spend money on the outdoors. And Mooney in the Sun this morning <coughs> says the same about Cork City, uh, because there is a 4,000 euro grand scheme now being put together and funded by Forge Ireland. It's being administered by Cork City Council. So this is for people who want to, um, and while we're not the capital of Ireland, we're certainly the dining and gourmet capital of Ireland. So if your business that wants to avail of outdoor dining ASAP, you can get four grand to support the provision of outdoor seating, tables, windbreakers, heaters, and all sorts of accessories. How do you apply for it? Joe has quoted in The Sun this morning um, as to the fact that it's there, that it's welcome. It'll be vibrant when the city comes back. And you can get the DOSH by applying um, through the grand scheme scheme at corkcity.ie. So check out their website. So outdoor dining uh, on the menu in weeks, um, 400th day now. Uh, for the pubs being closed. In fact, the mirror picks up on that story where aspects of the timetable could be accelerated to get us out faster. And that includes outdoor dining and drinking restarting as early as next month. So that's great, isn't it? Uh, We also know of retail and hairdressing Uh, will be trading again um, early May. So that's something nice to look forward to as well. Construction coming back as well. But um, you can go for a haircut and visit the salons on Friday in Northern Ireland. Uh, So I was talking yesterday as to whether many people will cut and run across the border for a pint. Maybe they will if they live within border counties but apparently um, salons in the north and barbershops in the north across the border are saying that they're getting lots of bookings and influx of clients from the south uh, to book appointments from hair for hair um, whether it's a hairdo or a colour or just a good old-fashioned barber's cut. It's a story that makes the mail today but there's always a story to drag us back and of course variants Uh, Love to drag us back into the negative, don't we? Don't they? The COVID variants and the Indian one now is a worry. And you know, no matter what you do, you'll always find something to drag you back. And there I was just checking on stories last night. And I came across one saying, oh, is the Indian virus going to be the one that's going to defeat all of the vaccines? I mean, would you be bothered getting up in the morning? But the first case of the Indian variant has been detected in Ireland. But they have started vaccinating the 65s to 69, So that's underway now. And Hall, <laughs> the mortification of it, he posted on social media the other day, grabbed a few hours on Saturday to do the Ballycotton cliff walk. Such stunning views and so good to see people out enjoying the good weather and beautiful scenery. I don't know whether I don't know whether he's going to get a fine in the post, you know, care of the Taoiseach Leinster House because apparently the Ballycotton cliff walk was closed. He didn't know it, the other people didn't know it, nor did I and there was I like a fool on Friday morning telling people about the different places you could go over the weekend and mentioning that you should all get down to Ballycotton and walk the cliffs. <laughs> It's another article I'm actually making the mirror today saying that he never had any notion of ever becoming a politician. He lacked the confidence. And he said never had he the wildest notion in the whole wide earthly world that he would become a Taoiseach. And I suppose, um, never mind becoming a a a a TD at all, but becoming Taoiseach was probably a very far stretch. He's never been barred from a pub, though, or asked to leave a pub, the bowled Hall Martin. Not like Keir Starmer in the UK, who went into a pub in Bath, the Raven pub. Um, they're on some kind of a local election he walk about apparently, and into the pub he went, but the landlord was having none of it. And he asked him, um, and he didn't spare his words in no uncertain terms, uh, to vacate the premises, if you don't mind, leader of the Labour Party.
0: Finally, sorry, I am the landlord. He's the landlord. That man, we're
2: not allowed in my pub. He's the landlord. I'm not going to physically hurt him. That man. Go that's the salt. I am not
4: Follow bothering you. Down. I am not bothering him. That man Damn. is not allowed in my pub. Get out of my pub. Go on. yourself down. Get out of my pub.
3: Would you ever, ever, ever want to be a politician if you're treated like that? Not much of a welcome. Reminded me of EastEnders and Peggy Mitchell, actually. Get out
4: of my pub. Come on,
5: Get out, everyone! Come on, everyone! Come on,
3: that that's not the kind of landlord or, or pub worker or barman or barwoman that we're looking for on this program. We we want you to keep sharing the stories of the um you know, the bar worker that you miss most, the barman, the barwoman that you miss most now that the pubs have been closed for four hundred days. So keep those coming. But um I mean, we'll take that. We'll take the eccentric ones as well, don't get me wrong. Uh, bookings are brisk for photo. Great story in the Echo today. The park's been closed to the public since January the 8th because of this level 5 stuff, but it reopens to the public next Monday. Pencil it in. Get yourself a booking. Get the family down there. Monday next week it opens. Story we were talking about yesterday morning involves the breakup of Jules Thomas and Ian Bailey and the, exam- the Echo pick up on that this morning. Uh, they have quotes from Jules Thomas saying, I have moved on. He is looking for somewhere else to live. I have not evicted him. And then Jose, Jose Mourinho, every time he gets sacked, you know, he gets huge money. And the latest payout, apparently, they're saying from uh, his latest sacking, is 16 million, having been sacked again. I don't know what he got from Chelsea when he went, I don't know what he got from Manchester United, but big amounts of money, I'm told. But the the Spurs departure, 16 million. It's kind of worth it to be hired, just to be fired, isn't it? And don't you love the Eurovision? Um, Eurovision is next month, I think, isn't it? It's usually in May. Story in the Times UK today talking about the shenanigans that go on in Eurovision. You know, how some countries vote for others and they don't vote for your neighbors because there's strategic voting involved. But they say that when um, uh, the ABBA won the Eurovision with Waterloo, the UK gave them zero points, null points. And the reason behind it was, they say in the Times, is that England knew that Waterloo was a fantastic song and it could win. So instead they gave some Eastern European country, it was Yugoslavia, 12 points instead. And they didn't give it uh, to the ABBA, because they wanted their own song, which was Olivia Newton-John's song, Long Live Love, to win. It didn't. It came forth. So in spite of... Not, and it's an interview, actually, with Bjorn Nuvalis. talks a lot about ABBA in the papers this morning. But back in 1974, how they got no points um, from um, the UK. We We can kind of relate to that, don't we? Because... <laughs> I guess for years we used to give the UK no, null, null, null or nil point. Anyway, lines open at one 104
0: 106 The
3: Neil Prenderville Show. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone. Give us a bell. Um, this is a great story because I remember reading about Declan uh, some months back when he, um, uh, because because he had COVID and he lost his sense of taste and then lost his sense of smell and then inevitably because of that apparently you lose your tense, sense of taste as well and he was ending up sprinkling chopped up halibut jalapeno peppers on his porridge and when he'd run out of jalapeno he'd put some chili flakes in there instead because he literally could not taste anything anyway he set himself up online to help others just like him he joins by phone morning Declan good morning Neil how are you good Declan Cassidy this is um this is a condition um where it's it's a form of long COVID isn't it it is,
6: yeah, and uh, it existed before COVID with with other viruses, but but you know, in, in such small numbers that the average person wouldn't know about it. But COVID has has really uh, brought the numbers and, to to new heights.
3: And how do you pronounce it? It is is it anosmia?
6: Yeah, there's, there, there are a number of different terms and they're all, <laughs> all difficult to get my tongue around, to be honest. But uh, the anos- anosmia um, and then there's uh, parosmia, which is a distorted sense of smell. And then there's um,
3: agusia, which is the um, not being able to taste.
4: So are
3: you still in the same situation? I mean, it was March of last year that you got COVID, wasn't it?
6: it was yeah uh, at the very start so uh, it it's over a year um I, I, I can i can report some change um i've i've moved from from absolutely nothing um to uh, i had one smell for certain things one smell and taste for certain things and for the rest, nothing at all, and then just in the last couple of weeks, I've started getting quite a number of different uh, smells and tastes, but uh, they're they're completely distorted. Um, within the group,
3: uh, somebody described it as so just odd. You know, like you, yeah, odd is is an interesting word because you were saying, uh, and I was watching the, your video where you were saying you were, is it a smell of or a taste of petrol and nail polish.
6: Yes, it, it, it's the and, and that doesn't even describe it properly. But it's it, you know it's it, when, when you have a brand new smell or taste and, and you've no reference. The closest I could get would, would be when my sisters had been putting on um, you know nail varnish or that cellulose or uh, you know that, that kind of balsa uh, cellulose thinners you put when you when you're making little airplanes as a kid. You know, oh yes, I, yeah, the yeah. airfix
3: smell. Yes, 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 yes So what yes. are you eating? Is it very salty food? Very sweet food? Like what? Well, therein lies the
6: problem uh, because um, the, the the one thing that you continue to have in most cases is the sense of saltiness or sweetness or or um, spiciness, um, and. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's the the highly ultra processed foods that are yeah. you know very salty or very sweet. So um, it, you know, I, I certainly found myself uh, just eating a lot of junk because it was very hard to to, to face it. A, like
3: a what? Like when you say junk? Yeah, it's lovely. I
6: mean, well, well, I'd i I'd, 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 I'd kind of think right. You know, I've I've you know I've, I've got. You know fatigue and other different things, and I need to get healthy. So I'd make a plan to go and and buy you know organic vegetables and things, and I'd come back with uh, with crisps and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Har- Haribo sweets and uh, no. anything that was yeah. sugary or salty. You know, uh, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Why would you be buying the organic? Is is important because you need to fuel the body and the mind, but you're getting no taste out of it. That's a, that's the
6: problem. So so on 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 one level, you know, you're 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 kind of looking at uh you're looking at kind of uh, really healthy food, but that's pretty tasteless to be honest you know if you you know and 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 uh I, you know my 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 mother my mother was a wonderful person, but she wasn't uh, she she the word al, the word al dente uh you know uh, ne- never appeared <laughs> tell in, in me about cooking. it yeah so so uh you know i'm I'm used to quite mushy vegetables, so that's something that had to change you
3: know um you always so start really so Sorry, do, you, do you get any smell at all of food or cooking or passing a restaurant or, or a chipper or, or stuff like that?
6: Well, not, well, well, um, uh, no, not, not, not at all. Uh, I mean, now in the last week or two, uh, you know, I I'd get an odd smell. And that, that's, that, to be honest, could literally be a lifesaver because for the last year, I don't know the number of times that, and um, I, I, started coughing and looked up and the, 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 room was full of smoke and the dinner was just burning up. I mean, yeah,
3: the, I heard the that the you house. nearly burnt the house down. How did that happen? M- m- more than once, you know, um, God so, so I, you know,
6: I'd, I'd, i put stuff on the stove and then sit down and, you know, it'd be there for 10 minutes or whatever to, 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 boil something or to cook something. Um, and, and I'd, I'd get onto Facebook on the phone or, or whatever and, and, Half an hour ago, past and I'd, I'd I'd wake up with it. am sorry, <laughs> come out of my my reverie with with the, the the kitchen full of smoke and coughing, and and I, I didn't smell it. You don't smell the burning at all. So. And
3: online um, have because you've set up the Facebook page Tate, Tasteless Cuisine over a thousand people. Yes, has anybody else like had near misses like that where they nearly burnt the house down?
6: It, it, it's it's a topic of conversation, you know. Uh, there, there, there's you know there's, there are constant posts where where somebody's had a near miss. Um, so so what we what, it's one of the things you know that the group is useful for because there are of course solutions and and that's really uh, I, I've got a, a an Apple Watch now with a timer and every time I put something on the cooker I set a timer I have to you know um, and and it's about it's about getting into that habit you know you know um,
3: when you put the jalapeno and the chili and that kind of stuff on your food. There in your porridge yeah. is there do you eat lots of that is is there a worry that you'll damage the lining of your stomach because yeah. you have no yeah. idea what you' put because you're not reacting absolutely. to it absolutely so <laughs> I did the
6: research on that and apparently red chilies um, can can be quite damaging in excess where uh, green chilies uh, are are have health benefits so that's that's why particularly I go for the jalapenos, they, they, you know the, the green ones um, in in the uh, in in the in the jar, you know, or else fresh green ones if I if I if I
3: don't have the jar. Yeah, yeah. Like, to, there's an interesting email that I got from Kate. Would you like to hear it? She was saying, yes. "I would hope you would ask: Is there any more people suffering from parasomia? Temporary loss of smell due to COVID-19. It's received a lot of attention as experts have learned more about the coronavirus impact on the body. Three months after being diagnosed with COVID, I got it. I had COVID pretty mild in January, but I lost my smell. And three days ago, I woke up and everything smells and tastes like rotten meat. My toothpaste is a no-go. My morning coffee is rank. So far, the only food I'm living on is plain pasta, and the only drink that's okay is water. The smell and taste of everything else is unbearable. I really feel down, as no one seems to understand what this is and how it affects my daily life so far. To make matters worse, I work with food, which is making me feel sick. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you read this out, as I'm sure I'm, the, the on, I'm not the only one. Maybe see how others are dealing and coping with this, says Kate.
6: She's definitely not the only one. And, and, uh, un- unfortunately, that's, that's one of the, the difficulties. It, it, it would be very easy if people with paroxysmia all had the same problems with the same foods, but that's not the case. I was just reading it over the last couple of days in, in the Facebook group. There is one lady, um, for whom raspberries are her go-to. Um, and another lady who then commented and said that raspberries are the one things one things that make her nauseous you Weird, know isn't so, it? so it, it really is yeah, it's it's strange, but it's um it, it's it's a matter of, i mean there are two things that I've tried to do um identify the things that that kind of make make me feel uh you know. Quite unpleasant, and, and and just avoid those, obviously. But there are there are other ones where I remember the first time I had an olive, I I, I really didn't like it, but I I grew to like it. And uh, I mean, the same is often said about uh, our Irish Irish stouts. You know, uh, that they're an acquired taste. So I I kind of thought, well, if these are the tastes and smells that I'm going to be stuck with, I'm going to try to acquire them. Okay. And uh, yeah. so 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 that's something I've been trying to work on is fooling myself into into thinking <laughs> I
3: I. Like whatever is being but would, me. And, but what would happen if you ate a bulb or a clove a clove actually of raw garlic would you taste that because that you'd, is you'd very t- strong you'd,
6: you'd, you'd get the you'd get the spiciness you get the spiciness not the burn um, No uh yeah you you you're your kind of your burn your burn senses are are um your burn senses are intact generally so you you you'll get that you get the sensation but you won't you won't get any taste you know and and if you if you if you chop a raw garlic and hold it up to your nose uh, certainly, up until recently, you, I wouldn't have got any any smell at all from it. You yeah, know?
3: I, I I read something in one of the articles um, involving a good self where you said you had you had nutty bread. You put chocolate spread on it, chilies, sun dried yeah. tomato. Was there a taste from that? No, no taste at all. <laughs> but. Uh, but what what you find yourself going for are textures. You know, you, you
6: you're trying to find pleasure in your food. So, yeah. um, you know, you're 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 trying to make it look appealing, but you're you're also um, you know, the rationale behind that is your chilies are giving your spiciness. So you're fooling yourself into thinking you're tasting something. Your nutty it's bread a has a nice thing, kind of isn't it? crunch. Yeah, it completely. Yeah. Yeah. And then your 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 sun dried tomatoes have a chewiness. You know, um, a, a kind of a juicy chewiness. So it's completely different. Have you have you
3: put on weight because of all of the carby junky food I've put on two st- well, a stone and a half. At me, you, you know. nearly uh, said two stone. Are you cheating on me here now? Uh,
6: no, no. I, I'm definitely. Too, I'm definitely. I'm definitely. I was thinking. I was probably already a half a stone up <laughs> at that. If I, if I'm to be honest, oh, you know, I'm two stone up on where I where I'd like. I I I'd kind of uh, where I am, where I'm happy. But I was probably a half a stone up. Uh, to, if I'm to be fair, because it was after winter, and I and I, you know, it takes takes me summer to knock that half a stone off. But I'm 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 two stone up from my base weight and.
3: Definitely a half, uh, a stone and a half. Old. Oh so, man, it's um, a curse, isn't it? So you it's, know it's, all it's of the people way. on the on the Facebook page with you. There's over a thousand. Yeah. Have anyone come through the other side and back again to getting full taste and smell back? Yes, thankfully, uh, thankfully, quite a,
6: quite a number, and they tend to be. Uh, if, if you find yourself in a position where you've uh, you've had COVID and lost your taste and smell, eighty um, uh, percent, about eighty or ninety percent even, within a number of weeks will recover. Uh, so that's the good news. Um, and then, from what we can tell, if it goes beyond that first few months uh, you you probably I, I saw an E N T specialist, so um i was I was told that kind of a year and a half uh, you you can still be quite hopeful. If it gets beyond a year and a half or two years, um then, then you've you've more you've more uh, cause for concern. And in my own case it, ju- it was just over one
3: year and I started getting some um, you know tastes and smells shoots and, you of shoots of hope, yeah. But how you, yeah. how does it affect you psychologically? Are you not peed off by the whole thing? Does it not get
6: you Ooh. down Absolutely. Well, I I set up the um, I set up the Taste of Cuisine group um, in November of last year, and the sole reason for doing that was because my my mental health had really suffered. I, yeah, I mean, at that point, if you remember, there were people who were losing loved ones, not not able to attend funerals. It was, it was, a, you know, so you didn't feel like turning around like can't smell or taste anything. You know, it, it seemed trivial compared to what some people have gone through. And yet, it, you know, I, I'm I'm one who all my life has turned to comfort food when when I get stressed. So um, I I I remember telling somebody it's it's like turning to your um you know it's like turning to your mother for a hug and getting a slap in the face you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good. You're yeah, well
6: posed. You know, yeah, yeah. It it, it really because you know you you go for that you know you go for that cheesy lasagna and uh, and it's just mush in your mouth. You know, um. So so your comfort food isn't even giving you comfort. And, and what and, uh, and
3: what do you miss?
6: uh oh i i did i did a lot of um, i was working on a lot on 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 of um, european uh, uh, projects where i i traveled a lot and um i i would i would always say that my favorite thing was travel but in reality i realized it wasn't the travel, it was the food. <laughs> it was it we're arriving in some little place in 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 um, you know Piaggiardo in the south of Italy, and finding some local delicacy, and and I, that's what excited me, you know. And uh oh my god, it's 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 uh, it, it, it just really just sucks the joy out of out of out of life when, when, when you're so heavy
3: I that know, kind of I know. Well you have green shoots of recovery I hear you yes. know, <laughs> ever yeah, so yeah, small yeah. so nurture them and let them grow uh, I mean, would you be I encouraging am, people absolutely. who've been through issues just like you to log on and share that there's there's help and tips online with you guys? Uh, absolutely
6: I, I mean I, I set up Tasteless Cuisine in the hope that other people would have ideas on what might, you know, what might spark uh, food but I found very quickly that it was the support that became the, the, you know, the the, the great thing because. Chances are there aren't people around you who are going through what you're going through. Where, um, on, on the Tasteless Cuisine, um, Facebook group, there are so many people, um, who are sharing their experiences. And sometimes that, that's just a rant, but at least you're ranting to people who will then all kind of give you a virtual pat on the back and, and tell you it's going to be okay, you know. Okay. And then, and then of course there are some, you know, there are some real breakthroughs, um, you know, and, and, uh, we've hooked up with a similar group in both Italy and Spain as well. So we're, 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 we're lobbying, you know, to, to, to try and get
3: you know try and get I'd say the Italians are the unbearable without their sense of taste and smell <laughs> oh, I'd say they're yeah, just they're, they're, they just couldn't live they with them a, they definitely have more rants than we do I'd yeah. So you, <laughs> like, so you like you like you, things like brandy and, and whiskey you wouldn't even get the taste of that never mind a pint of well, stout
6: well, I well, I I have to say, for, I I personally find uh, that liquids definitely have uh, their own characteristics. So I can tell the difference between tea and coffee, not because of the taste, but because of the texture. Yeah, and that's uh, weird, and isn't it? I, really, I didn't even know there was a texture yeah. difference between the two of them. I, well, I I would never have thought so either. But I, I'm very very pleased to say that um a a, a, a nice red wine it's a wine must wine must hit the spice kind of uh, parts of your mouth. Taste it. Because because I, I, I know I, I couldn't tell the difference between a Merlot and a and the Cabernet Sauvignon, but I can t- I can tell if it it's vinegary. I can tell if it it's a cheap one.
3: Well, maybe <laughs> so maybe I, that's where yeah. you're going to get your calorific intake from. So red wine. That's probably why I'm at stone and a half. Up. Yeah. The last the last <laughs> question then. I mean, it's kind of a man thing, but there's no point you putting on aftershave because you you won't smell it. I mean, do you, do we put it on for ourselves or others anyway? Th- 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 this, th- this is the, this is the huge problem when you
6: can't smell. Because I'm constantly paranoid that no no that I that I that I might I, that, like, like oh. that, you know you know you know sometimes if, if if you know if clothes have haven't dried properly and there's a stagnant smell like don't
3: them, I don't know if I, you're I, wearing clothes
6: know, that are no. still damp uh, yeah or if if I did a morning walk too briskly and and, and uh, <laughs> you know and I need a shower I wouldn't know so I'm constantly paranoid so yeah the the aftershave the aftershave comes on a lot
3: aftershave and deodorant your two best friends just in
6: case absolutely and and uh, I'm, I'm, dre- I'm dreading lockdown when I have to get near to people again
3: you know? alright well listen hopefully that won't be too long more www.tastelesscuisine.com thanks for taking the call Declan mind yourself Thanks so much, Neil. Cheers,
0: Bill. Take care. Text the Neil Prendiville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red
3: FM. Anybody else suffering like Declan, do get in touch. Text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone. 1-850-104-106. With regards to your sense of taste or your sense of smell. Can I wish Leonard and Mary Power a wonderful Ruby wedding anniversary from their very special friend Brian Savage in Middleton? Thanks a million. Um, And that's also from Angela. Uh, Hope I haven't missed the day. For this very very special couple, but happy um, Ruby uh, wedding anniversary to both Leonard and Mary. Also a bit of good news for you, and this is this is a fast bit of coppering. I won't say much more about it because it'll be before the courts. But twenty seven year old man due to appear in court today in connection with. Um, remember the story we had on the air: a chap out walking his dog, Rocco the dog. All of a sudden, this van pulls up, um, and. Uh, Guy jumps out, face mask on, hood up and a hammer. uh, Threatens to um, hit him a box with a hammer. Give me your dog, give me your dog. Robs the dog, speeds away in a Ford Focus. Well, uh, the Gardie got involved in that very, very quickly. And later that night, actually, the guards returned Rocco safe and well. They found the dog at a location in East Cork, identified a suspect, made it known that they were looking for the dog. And this suspect is before the courts today. So Barry Roach picked up on this in the uh, in the Irish Times this morning. Um, it was Dennis who was walking his French pit bull Rocco in Ballyvalan at the time. Now, what's interesting about this is Barry Roach says that according to Informed sources, a French pit bull like Rocco would normally cost around 800 euro. But since the COVID pandemic and more people wanting to buy dogs, Rocco could fetch over 2,000 euro now if he were sold. So you can see the reasons why people are stealing dogs what would normally be an €800 Euro purchase price, is now well over 2000 So that's in court this morning. I'll come back with that uh, story when there's some news from the courts on it. Um, but, you know, you talk about different issues involving uh, where you can go, what you can do, and it's tough enough, and, you know, certainly the 5K was. But with regards to um, issues involving parental rights during childbirth, the Rotunda Hospital in Dublin, Neil, has announced new visitor guidelines for their hospital, which allows a nominated contact to come into the hospital during certain hours daily. I want to point out that a partner or father is not a visitor and has rights to be present for their child like a mother would. This means that women recovering after having babies can have some sort of support in relation to their aftercare that overworked staff don't have time to do. But here's my question. If a hospital in a county with continuously high daily figures um, and mass crowding issues on sunny days check out the canals can make room for a step forward for the care of women using maternity services that help to improve their quality of care why can't cork with lower figures and a maternity hospital like the cumh continuing to deny the aftercare and support that they rely on by their nominated contact the only appointment in which a contact can be present is for the 20 week anomaly scan why not other appointments how are they not important important can come on air as I'm working this morning, but I wanted to bring this positive move forward by the Rotunda to your attention as maternity care should not be a postcode lottery. Thank you for that email. If you have thoughts on that, guys, get in touch. Also, a lot yesterday with regards to uh, mortgages, banks, house properties, availabilities, viewings, and things like that. And many people still asking, uh, and they are legitimately asking, including Jeanette, who said, can you tell me the names of the banks that are offering the lower interest rates Are there interest rates available to people that want to remortgage or first-time buyers? EBS offer a fixed rate that gives you very little financial gain. Uh, Please mention the broker's name if you can't mention the banks. Well, I can't mention the banks because I literally didn't research the seven or eight banks and their mortgage rates. But any broker... Um, we'll do that for you. Uh, and by and large, the brokers are then paid by the bank, not by you. But if you're asking who did we talk to yesterday, it was Joey Sheehan, the, um, the broker, www.mymortgages.ie. And I would encourage people to always get a broker working for you. Don't do it yourself. And don't assume the bank that you've always banked with all your life is the bank you should take out a mortgage with. Because it ain't. Uh, so more on that throughout the course of the morning. But I'm going to get as many calls on the air as I can like I do every day, including James. Morning. How are you? Uh, yet another uh, rental scam can you explain it all to us please
7: yeah i've been trying to uh rent a uh, property for myself and my daughters and um one of i was on daft the other day i won't mention well so it's just you know it's the same thing when it looks so good to be sure it probably is so uh anyway i contacted the people and um the man on the other side said, send me your passport details and your copy of your utility bill, and we'll take it a bit further. So that sort of wave flags then because most normal people wouldn't look for that, you know. So I drove to the property, and I knocked on the door, and I asked the girl if it was a house for legs and <laughs> was moved to her, obviously. So she rang the girl, and the girl said that there was a bit of a thing going on at the moment, so. You know?
4: You know, oh, when you were
3: on yeah, Daft and you saw the well. property being advertised, mm-hmm. right? You saw the outside yeah. of the property. Did you see all the rooms inside up on Daft as well?
7: No, it was only the outside, uh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes you really put for you photographs anyway, you know, to be sketchy enough, you know. A lot of the places, a lot of the... Language, uh, but this was, so uh, you
3: just got a photograph from Google Maps or something, do you think?
7: Yeah, uh, I would think... Well, you yeah, actually, you know, I know it, it, where the property is in Mayfield, uh it didn't even. I actually know the area, so it didn't even look like the property by answer anywhere, you know. Because sometimes uh, the agencies, especially, will put up the same picture all the time, especially if the block of apartments, you know. And they will just say, "Of oh, another one of these has come up, but it'll be the same front pictures." If you know what I mean.
3: And what attracted so, you to it was the rental price low or something?
7: Well, yeah, no. At this stage, no, because I'm black and blue. I would take anywhere any or any place anywhere, within reason, obviously, for myself and my kids, right? But I think there's a lot of people in the same boat. What actually waved the flag and he was, the guy says in his description that electricity is free as well. <laughs> They're like, no matter where you went, you wouldn't get free electricity, you know? So, uh... They're still around the €1,400 Euro to €1,500. Yeah, it's Euro. saucy enough, like. It yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I drove up to the girl. Just, you know what now, my tinker hall was, when I met her, uh, a nice lady, I don't even know the girl's name, I just said, your problem is going to be, if this is an ID scan, they're going to come back to your house. You know, if I send my passport, and, and which people will... Be vulnerable enough to do, and I'll tell you why because it's so hard to get anywhere you now. You're trying to stay one step ahead of the posse, you know?
3: they would be calling so to those, I, yeah. Yes, yeah.
7: And so then if I give my passport and ID, and then all of a sudden my ID is scammed, so I'm actually, but I'm obviously going to go back to the, the host that was advertised, assuming that that's the person. This is my thinking now. So I went to a girl, she was traumatised, uh, she rang the guard. The gas said, come down, so I went down and I said, Look, this is the WhatsApp trade here, you know, of, of, of whatever. I said, I'm not sending my passport and utility bill over the phone. But they ask you, like, even the agencies, you know, they ask you for PPS numbers, telephone numbers, dates of birth a lot of the GDPR stuff that they probably shouldn't be asking, but they ask you. And if you don't fill in the form, you do not get a call
3: back. Who asks you for your PPS, the letting agents?
7: Yeah, the letting agents, yeah. If you go to, I won't name them, I do you know them all anywhere. but it, there's several of them. They send you over a tenancy letting um, application form that they use to break down who they want to see you the house, you know. And on that will be your name, your date of birth, your PPS number, who's moving in, where you work, how much you get. Most of them are now asking for a copy of a bank statement to prove that your address is there. And like in my case I had two kids with me the last People who rang me back and said I never put in my kids CPS numbers. And I said, "Sure, why would I? Why would you want my children's CPS numbers?" Sure. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. No, you're not
3: that getting that. off topic, not at all. Yeah. Um, are you, it, but are you it, assuming it, that in this case that this was identity theft? If they wanted, oh, this is identity. Your passport, theft. a utility yeah, the, bill,
7: the, like even to be fair to the, you know, if you go to one of the letting agents and you're fortunate enough to get the property, they will require uh, ID but it's the specifics of this actual thing was ensure you send me a copy of your passport with all the outlining corners identified as if you were applying for something, you know, official yourself. Any utility bill. No, I will one name them, but one of the agencies that I was dealing with last week asked me for identification, but any form of identification, you know, be it driver's license, identity card, passport, etc. But like, you know what now, it's like opening a bank account now just trying to get your name on
3: the list just for a viewing even just for a viewing and
7: and then and and even at that you send all this information and nothing comes back
3: did anybody ever ask you for a deposit ahead of a viewing
7: Uh, well this guy did as well no sorry he didn't no no, one woman uh, in a house above and growing about her. uh, said that before she'd even deal with me, I had to show her that I had the deposit and uh, for a uh, month's rent at the gate. Show you the and money. Show we, you had to show her the money. Yeah, I was like, Jerry McGuire's oh, job Um when, I, when we went in, the place was a kip, it's still for rent, and I'm sure everybody who who have in the same situation as me for the last six or eight months will have heard of this woman. Horror because, story. Yeah, a horror, horror story. Yeah. story. Okay. okay, but
3: you you do what
7: you have to do in, to try to get yourself in the door. You know, and this seems to be like a, this was even older character for me to go to this woman's house yesterday. It's just you know, I know I was going to Ireland to meet somebody about a job anywhere, and I said, you know, I know the place well. I'll just swing up just in case it's somebody, and it was a young girl. She looked like just. Talked to the it, and she was looking at me like I had hey, ten heads. And then you know, you when you knock at the door, you have the mask on as well. So.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, some people can get yeah, feel intimidated, uh, strange with uh, the know, mask.
7: I was trying to stand back, and I said, look, just for your own um, peace of mind, meet the girls, and just tell them I said because if somebody's scammed, this is where they're coming. Okay, you know? pal.
3: Listen, so, thanks for yeah. taking the call, and good luck on the search. It. Yeah, and if anybody has a
7: two-bedroom or three-bedroom house in Northside that's trying to get rid of, give me a ring. Have I've, Dave,
3: I've Dave Whelan from First Choice Properties after the break, and I'll, I'm sure he's listening to this. Maybe he might be able to look into a, into this case for you. You know? Yeah. Okay. All, All right. Cheers, time. James. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I'm Dave Whelan from First Choice Property. Morning, Dave. First, first good, morning, of, good. First of all, on on scams, right? And a, a typical one is um, you engage online, back and forth with emails. Uh, this character asks you to send on the first month rent and the first mo- and the deposit with it, uh, and then after a month you'll be met, or sorry, then you'll be met by somebody who'll give you the keys, kind of a thing. Do people fall for these kind of scams? All well, the of
8: things they're doing. Um, you know, I um, I've read it. And I suppose it's all on a basis that it's it's second-hand stories that that I've heard, or third-hand even, that people have been scammed. And I suppose the message that I would read from that is that it's very important to deal with regulated letting agencies. You know, we're we're strictly managed by... um, by the Property Services Regulatory Authority. Yeah, but that's all very well,
3: but not everybody goes through an agency and others are so desperate to get a property that they're responding to everything and anything that's put up. That is...
8: That's why I'm saying I think it would be better to deal with a regulated entity. And I suppose from my experience, um, I heard someone on the radio recently to yourself that they were saying they couldn't find properties. Yeah. And the same day, I actually did did, 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 I did viewings for a one-bed apartment, a three-bed house, and a two-bed apartment, right? And that same day, I had seven or eight appointments for each property, and each, and each appointment that I was scheduled to have, I had three no-showings, as in no-showings whatsoever at the viewings, uh, which was astonishing considering I had heard him out on the radio saying that he he was trying to find a house for his friend and he was looking here, there and everywhere for them. There isn't, in my experience, a huge shortage at the moment. Um, But I do think that potential tenants need to be prepared. And the advice that I would give them is that, yes, similar to what that scam artist was looking for, What we are looking for as an agency is we're looking for information on a tenant who is, um, I suppose, willing to be vetted so that we're willing to rent to them. So in my position, my main uh, priority is to get a very good tenant for a house for the landlord that we represent. So the better prepared a tenant comes to us, the better presented that tenant is when they come to the viewing the better chance they have of getting uh, a long-term tenant. So
3: that involves giving a PPS number, uh, a wage slip, a copy of your bank statement?
8: We wouldn't be quite that invasive. What we would look for, to to a range of you, and what we're looking for is because we are regulated, we have an anti-money laundering process that we have to adhere to, which includes gathering PPS number. And... photo ID and address verification. We look for those three items. We also look for a work reference, if applicable,
3: and a previous landlord. Do you take copies of all of that information?
8: Normally they're emailed to us by the client, or by the potential tenant.
3: So forever then, forever then, forever, somebody's bank statement and PPS number?
8: No. No, and we will tell tenants this, or potential tenants this, that from a GDPR point of view, the minute that, that they decide they don't want it to go to property, it is destroyed and deleted from our records. Okay, so okay. we don't hold that data. Okay. But if we do have a tenant that engages with us long-term and, and, and rents a property, we have those documents on file so we know who's in the property, we have their PPS number if there's an anti-money laundering inquiry through the revenue etc we can provide those, that information and that falls under the regulation that we have to adhere to
3: But I mean I'm astonished that you say worse to the effect that there's not a shortage when, when I'm constantly mm-hmm. dealing with people and we just had an example there of James who's desperately looking for a, a two bedroom perhaps even a three bedroom on the north side and just can't get one
8: well, uh, you, you can give him my number, Neil, because I, I think that we might have a unit coming available in two time in the north side. And if I can help them, I'd be more than
3: happy to help them. Okay. So, I know I'm talking primarily this morning about rental. Yesterday morning, it was about house purchasing and mortgage and and things like that. But at the same time, I also hear from a lot who want to get a viewing, get on to the letting agents. not necessarily saying your good self. um, They send on all of the details and the information. They don't even get a a response or a a sorry, not this time. They just get completely ignored. Why would that be? No. I don't know.
8: I suppose... There might be a there might be a sense of uh, some agents cherry picking who they want to go into a property
3: and who would that um, be? I mean, who is who is the perfect tenant?
8: I mean, the, as I said to you, what, what I what I look for in a in a tenant is someone who's prepared. i.e. they can give us the documents and that we're looking for, and they arrive at the viewing on time and they arrive well presented. You you normally get a good feeling from someone if they're organised and if they give this. Uh, I suppose, a sense that they're clean and tidy and that will be reflected when they move into a property. Well, that's fair
3: part. enough. I, I understand that. But do, do your do your clients who own the property specify no HAP?
8: Well, that's against the law. And to be quite honest with you, I'm a huge supporter of HAP. Um, it's a good system. Um, oh, but if
3: somebody no. who wanted to rent their property to you told you that they don't want HAP, what would you then do? Or what would a letting agency do then?
8: I haven't had that um, experience yet, Neil, because I suppose we, when we engage with a client first day, um, we will outline the uh, a basic rules and regulations as to what they have to adhere to, and accepting HAP is one of
3: those things. Okay.
8: Um, so I haven't had tenants, or, sorry, landlords saying, we won't accept See what hand hand I'm hand 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 thinking. Hand what I'm hand hand
3: hand thinking hand. is: is there a perfect tenant for a rental property, or indeed, is the perfect rental to four people who are willing to all chip in four ways, so that the owner of the property can get a much higher rent that they wouldn't get from a young couple starting out or a young couple with children?
8: Again, there are regulations there that if you try and overcharge what the market is, you know, we're in the rent pressure zone in Cork City which means that, basically, we can only put up the rent 4% every year. And if a landlord takes the chance of putting the rent up and not registering with the RTB, that's not what private, some private landlords might do. But through an agency, we don't do that because the tenant has the chance of recouping that money and getting the landlord prosecuted over the next six years. Like so, we. We've, it's it's oh. a chance they're taking, but some landlords, they'll call and collect cash from their tenants every week. That's not the model we follow.
3: Letting, letting companies don't do that, but some direct landlords do, you're saying?
8: I, I think so. I mean, Cross-Choice Property, as a letting agency, we don't do that. But you may have other agencies that do, and anecdotally, um. Private landlords are doing
3: it. No, but what I'm seeing now is also rooms to let in houses. So there's more money for a landlord when letting buy the room.
8: Well, again, it depends what regulations they're following or what they're
3: not adhering to. Do letting companies sell or rent rooms? Reluctantly. Yeah, okay. We've yes. also been contacted we, by... We, we do, yeah.
8: We, we do. And if we do, it's because that type of house is more of a house share arrangement. It is by the room, but each of those rooms will be registered with the RTB, so we are stuck to the rent pressure zone guidelines again.
3: As we're coming out of all of this now, and and I've been contacted by a few families in the last few weeks and individuals whose landlords are selling up, are planning to sell up, and these misfortunes will be out on their ear because um, the restrictions on evictions have now been lifted, haven't they?
8: They, the, the, the notice periods that tenants get now it has been extended and it's longer depending on how long the tenants are in situ um, and I suppose looking at it if someone's given 90 days notice to find a property they really are being given enough time to find somewhere
3: aren't there are
8: they are right. I think if, if, if someone's 90 days to find a house I think if you're prepared And you register online with with Daft. You get your emails according to the type of properties that come up. You apply to them. You build a rapport with with agents and tell them what you're looking for. We do this all the time. And most of the time, if we give notice to a tenant, and if the landlord is selling, we will work with that tenant. We'll work them out to find somewhere else for them to to live if we can. You know? But, yes, houses... Are, are proving quite hard to get. They're not coming up as often as apartments. Your three bed, four bed family house, they are harder to get than your one, two,
3: and three bed. So, apartments. are you suggesting that people should flip to a, an apartment then rather than holding no, out for a tour? No,
8: no, no. I, I, no, I'd say I think within 90 days, houses do come available. And they might even have a longer period than 90 days, right? But I think that the period, notice periods now that people have got to, to, to move out from property that's been sold. Unless bear in mind, this asset is owned by 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 a landlord, and situations change. So landlords have a right to sell the property. You know they've offered a, a tenancy to a tenant for the legal tenure of that period of time, and no, not for the legal
3: notice. tenure. If they're selling, you're out in your ear. Full stop.
8: No, you're not. No, you're not out in your ear. you you. A, a landlord cannot break a fixed term tenancy. So. Let's say someone is... You can break a, a fixed-term
3: tenancy for selling the house.
8: No, you can't. Not if it's a fixed term. Once the fixed term has expired, and normally, we would, if a tenant goes engages with a landlord, they'll normally sell a 12-month lease. And after 12 months, there are three reasons why a landlord can I send see, that tenancy. I see, I see, yeah. yeah. So selling the property is one of those. And they have to give the adequate uh, mandatory notice, which I'm saying should be enough if... It is. It's an unfortunate situation. It's stressful for the tenants because yes, they have to pack up, they have to leave, and they have a period of uncertainty as to where they're going to find to live. Can they afford the rent of the new property, etc. But when you have ninety days to do it, if you take it upon yourself to be organised and to look, um, you know, on a daily basis, ring letting agencies, give them your details and get yourself approved as a tenant before potentially before. Then um, properties come available. You have a very good chance of getting ahead of
3: the next person. Okay, good words of advice. Thank you for that, as always, Dave Whelan with First Choice Properties. Dot Get in touch if you're looking for a property. And thank you also, Dave, for saying you'd take a look at the issue regarding uh, James and his two kids. Back after ten and on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six.
1: Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. And wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Pro
0: Music Station of the Year,
3: Cork's Red FM. Lots of texts and lots of emails picking up on yesterday's program on mortgages and properties and buying houses and what have you. How wrong is this as an example? I have my mortgage with Ulster Bank. We tried to get a mortgage with them as we're moving house. So we were looking to get the new mortgage for the new house with Ulster Bank as well. The difference in what we were currently paying with them versus the new mortgage would be 200 euro a month which is not a problem for us. They refused us the new mortgage, so we went elsewhere and got it. Bear in mind, Ulster Bank are also leaving the Irish market soon. Now they have the cheek to charge us €2,500 breakage fee because we're moving mortgage provider. Even though and they will not give us a mortgage and they're leaving the country. They are flat out refusing to budge. Am I the only one who thinks this is criminal? I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Don't give up my personal details. Don't know why they did the maths and said no. Can't understand why. You would think that they would want to hold on to the business. Uh, I don't know whether they're just winding down that aspect of the business, but it certainly seems to be a bad call to me. Lots of different emails on that then and uh, people who are, are struggling. My partner and I are desperately trying to find a place of our own. We're in a shared house and have been for 10 years now. We're finding it so difficult to find a place of our own that will be affordable, but we're really struggling in our current situation. Sharing a house can be difficult at the best of times, but throw in working from home, both of us, lockdown, 5K restrictions, job losses for our housemates, as well as their mental health issues into the mix. And it is a melting pot with us at the moment. We've been saving as much as we can but are still struggling to get together the deposit we need to buy a house. We're in our early 30s and feel so deflated right now. We've even started seriously considering moving to the UK. I see the Irish examiner did a feature recently on a four-bed house in Ballincollig for €525,000. Half a million. They were promoting it as the perfect home for a young couple. I don't know any young couple that can afford a home for half a million. But the same size house, albeit a bigger garden in the UK, they are looking for €200,000. I mean, isn't that absolutely heartbreaking? And Siobhan says, In Ireland, based on our wage and savings, we're currently looking at two-bedroom mid-terrace house with a yard. This costs €252,500. In the UK... We can have a beautiful four bed detached house with a huge back garden for 200,000 in a lovely area. Sometimes we feel like we have no choice but to leave Ireland, young people. We don't want to, but feel we cannot justify working so hard for the smallest house in the selection. And that's even if we get approved for a mortgage, whereas in the UK, the option is there for young people to purchase their own homes it's really getting us down. We feel really trapped here in Ireland and can't see a way out besides leaving the country. Something needs to change. It can't continue like this. I'd love to come on air as I have so much to say about it, but I'm working from home and can't come on air right now, unfortunately. But I hope you get to highlight this, says Siobhan. Thank you for that. And good luck, whatever you decide to do. Tomás says, I think you left Joanna Murphy, the auctioneer, off easy on her justification for house prices increasing, considering everything that has gone on over the last 13 months. That's the way it is, is not an adequate response. An auctioneer wishing for house prices to rise is like a child wishing that it would be Christmas soon. Uh, And there are many more like this. We'll jump in and out of them throughout the course of the morning. Um, But uh, interestingly, something that I touched on on the air uh, last week that interested me was the latest survey that's out from the Health Research Board. Seamus Whelan did a Vox on this at the weekend for us uh, and it was talking about the amount of alcohol that Irish people drink. Not every single individual, but when you average up Irish people over the course of the last 12 months or so, when you compare it to 2019, it shows up some startling stacks, uh, stats. Like 40 bottles of vodka um, per average Irish person in a year, 113 bottles of wine, 436 pints of beer. If you listen to the show, On Friday, you'll have heard me talking about this. The report also said that 82% of school children consume their first alcoholic drink by 17. I mean, if they broke that down, they would find that the age is probably younger than that for quite an amount of young people. Um, Some are reporting being really drunk at least once. Many others then were talking about going into school uh, with um, with a hangover and things like that. And these are the questions that Seamus was keen to chat with people on the on the streets of Quark when he was out at the weekend. But there were some other statistics actually in the report that um, I found quite alarming, particularly with regards to children living in the home. And it was showing that, you know, many children now are growing up in a crisis home where alcohol is a factor and the higher levels of alcohol-related hospital admissions, and the amount of binge-drinking parents. I think the stats said on Friday that there was one in three, which sounds way too high for me for a binge-drinking stat. But then we're asking the questions, is booze just too cheap? And... Why do we as a nation appear to have such a problem with it? Maybe not just us. I've often said it. We're not alone in this. Uh, and even countries that in the past we used to look up to, like, like America, they've got as big or even a bigger problem than we do. But teens are drinking younger now, no matter what way you look at this. Um, and then I was keen to know what it was like when other people and other generations were growing up. You know, I mean, we, we, we certainly didn't have supermarkets with aisles full of alcohol. For God's sake, we didn't have supermarkets, full stop. But then, of course, they banned cigarette advertising. And the question needs to be asked, should all alcohol advertising just be banned like cigarettes? But these are the questions and lots more besides The Seamus asked on the streets of Cork. Have a listen to this. Thank you.
4: We're a nation of alcoholics. We don't realize it, you know, but to, to go out drinking at the weekends and drink a load of beers is not normal. That's considered binge drinking in, in America. Uh, but we, it's normal. It's normal here. So, um, I'm not surprised. And like with the amount of drinking now at home, on, on, on the same level as it was in the, in the pub and young kids. Yeah, yeah. You've seen the effect of that. Yeah. When well, the lockdown makes everything worse, it makes the drinking worse and problems get worse and you're stuck in the home. So your family has to experience you being drunk and stuff like that. So I don't drink much myself. So someone is drinking for me.
0: I get no doubt!
4: A year to seems incredibly like small, I suppose. When there's 365 days and no work really to go to, it doesn't seem like uh, do not seem like accurate figures. I say that's about right, it makes <laughs> sense, like, <laughs> <Depending> <laughs> on the person, then as well. Like. Yeah, and would you drink that much yourself? Nah, I don't like vodka personally, but like, well, but like, tell. Like, like, regarding the beer that you have there, it would be 463 uh, pints of beer. Oh, yeah, that, that makes sense.
3: Like. Back in the day, all they had was beer, like, they had no water, so who can I build for it, like. They're not
9: me personally, because I haven't drunk any more in lockdown than I did before. Yeah,
4: But there's enough things to be worried about than that, I would say. More things to be worried about than that. I
9: suppose I'd be a bad person to ask. I'm kind of anti-nanny state. I think people should have the right to do what they want, and it's no one else's business if we're not clogging up health systems or looking for therapy. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be worried.
4: It a whiskey drink. It looks a vodka drink. It a, a drink. It looks a cider drink remind of the good time the songs remind of the best time I just think that it's, um uh, Not only is the pandemic making a generation lost but alcohol and consumption is going to make a generation lost as well. That's the younger generation coming up. Uh,
10: they found that men aged 25 and 34
4: are most likely to be classed hazardous drinkers. Yeah, worryingly enough, 40% of men over 60 binge drink monthly. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, believe it. Yeah, um... Am I concerned for that? I'm as concerned for the health system uh, more so than I am from the, from, how uh, to say, from the individuals concerned. I think the health system could be overwhelmed by uh, alcohol-related health problems uh, in the future. What's the answer? Is it ban advertising like they did with tobacco? Minimum pricing? I think. Uh, extend the opening hours in pubs to 24 hours yeah. So I believe would be uh, a solution and uh, break the habit through education that would be educating young people and break the habit that it's not culturally acceptable and not to be uh, painting the stereotypical Irish uh, middle-aged man as a happy-go-lucky drinker I would think that it's important to not have it on uh, soaps on TV programs, that should be as uh, uh, as repulsive as pornography would be on TV.
9: Since the pandemic has come, I think more people are drinking at home, so it makes situations worse. A lot of people wouldn't admit to it. I think it's the parents' responsibility, really. You know, to please their children where they are at night, especially 16, 17 year seventeen-year-olds. You know, I don't think they should be out, and the parents to know where they are, or if they come in drunk. And after alcohol, I think it's the parents' responsibility to step up and do something about it. You know,
4: I mean, we have kids, 28, 24 and 15. I know where my 15-year-old is at night, you know. I know where my 23-year-old is at night. I'm in the world 67 years,
7: and I get to see him going drunk around the place, so I don't know what they're talking about. People enjoy themselves weekends, and they're to do that. They have their money during the week. They are. The
4: same. The Irish, we, we all kind of tend to, to drink too much, but I don't know of anybody particularly that I would be, I worried. be worried. Yeah, about. No, I, they do a lot, the young people do, but personally, in my well, to my children. I don't think they... Thank God that yeah. they don't, yeah. but I suppose there are young, not a lot of young people. What would you think about drinking at home? Does it influence the kids? I, I, I would have a drink at home, yeah. A glass of wine, no problem. I love a glass of wine with a meal, yeah. You know, so I don't see I. anything wrong with drinking
10: at home. Drink? Do you think that alcohol advertising should be banned like they did with tobacco? No, I do not. I will think it, there's it, will much it make a difference
4: altogether in what we're doing? I know yeah, if we yeah, can't enjoy yeah, yeah. a bloody glass of wine. Does it make a I difference? mean, it's just, it's just going too thing far thing. interfering in everything. Like, the government can't interfere in everything. We have to have some choice in what we do. Like We grew up in a family, really, where they were drinking the size of us. Yeah. And when we were young ourselves, we didn't have a drink. We were about 19. And I think we never kind of overdid it. But, no. you know, I'm just telling now I know my own daughter would, wouldn't drink much in front of the kids. They had their ideas, I suppose. I get no doubt, but I get up
5: again. If
3: you look at the last 12 months, actually, I know I mentioned these stats in the past and I have the actual numbers, but there have been huge beneficiaries with regards to COVID and the changes in retail and what have you. Tech companies are one of them, clearly. Uh, anybody involving in in streaming and stuff like that also zoom things like that but also supermarkets who saw their profits and uh you know multinationals like that just skyrocket and so also did off licenses and it was really weird to read the stat that in spite of the pubs now being closed for uh you know traditional pubs by and large 400 days alcohol alcohol consumption and the purchase of alcohol only dropped seven percent with the pubs all closed that says a lot doesn't it the question then is it too cheap, should there be minimum pricing? Should alcohol be attacked price-wise like boxes of cigarettes were over the years? Just make it more expensive. Anyway, your thoughts are welcome and those were the thoughts of Corconians when Seamus caught up with them in the city and also one or two off-licenses where he was chatting with younger people who were stocking up for the weekend. Text 0868104106 talking Talking about multinationals and retail, there's a super tweet that's just gone up on the line there from Aldi. Um, it's the Aldi Stores UK a Twitter page. And it says, Hey, Marks and Spencer, can Colin and Cuthbert be besties? We're bringing back a limited edition Cuthbert and we want to donate profits to cancer charities, including your partners, Macmillan Cancer and ours, Teenage Cancer. Let's raise money for charity, not lawyers. Hashtag Caterpillars for Cancer. So it's a bit of an olive branch going on. I just love it. I mean, you couldn't help but smile at a beautiful tweet like that. You know there's a bit of argy bargy going on at the moment. Between MS and Aldi regarding their caterpillar cakes, one claiming the other is a copycat. And of course, Tesco also have their caterpillar cake. <laughs> so Aldi handing out or reaching out with an olive brand saying, let's not deal with lawyers on this. Let's raise money instead for cancer. I think it's lovely. It's a great move back after the break.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM, 104 to 106 Red
3: FM. Morning. On uh, mortgages, I have a deposit ready and I'm currently paying 1,900 euro a month and I've done so for seven years. I'm still waiting to hear approval on a mortgage. That was one text from yesterday which reminded us again as to how high rents can be 1,900 euro a month. You probably will end up getting a mortgage and a property and pay the mortgage yourself for about 11 or 1200 a month for a damn fine house if you have your deposit. Nineteen hundred a month for rental. Why did it ever? Why did it? Was it allowed to get that bad? Uh, regarding the mortgage assessment, I have an existing tracker and I wish to carry out a house extension and it required a loan. So the lender carried out their assessment based on the number of kids and so on. I failed the assessment by a relatively small amount. I re-examined the assessment criteria and I noticed that the lender had made a mistake in their calculations had not included amounts that would have ensured I passed the evaluation. The lender would not acknowledge the mistake and as a result I had to leave my tracker mortgage to secure the loan. Oh, was that a good idea, to bail out of a tracker? Uh, Morning, Neil, wasn't it on your show a fortnight ago that said people said mortgage protection insurance was being refused to people who had tested positive for COVID? Another one, the reason rents are so expensive is because the government's tax is so high. They take half of what the landlord charges. 1,900 euro per month, the government takes 950 in rental tax. It's not a bad deal for the government either. Morning, there's no point in telling the banks you have less children, They'll see the gap in employment during the maternity leave. Plus, they'll see your children's allowance in your bank statements, says Julie. Do they look at everything in minutia like? Do they know? They look at your bank statements, obviously, and they know where you spent money, how often you use your ATM card. They'll know how many kids you have because they'll have access to your details about children's allowance. I mean, they probably have access to every aspect of your life. And I imagine that they sit across the table from people and they ask them questions. Well, I see a payment here now. You spent 200 blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah, blah, in, blah in Harvey Normans. Why was that? Kind of questions like that. Very intrusive questions, I'd imagine. Um, and there's many more like that. My parents sold their house last month and are renting an apartment now. They're elderly with health problems and are finding it impossible to purchase a two-bedroom bungalow or a house on the north side instead. And one final one. Listening to your show is very good. Ask your financial esper- expert about rebuilding Ireland scheme for the council. We're first-time buyers and we're nearly broken people over all of this now. So just a selection of texts with regards to yesterday on people struggling with mortgages. And I have lots of emails in that as well, which I'll come back to. Came across a story... Uh, about a week ago, and it's only now that I've got an opportunity to return to it. And I have a reason to return to it now. It has to do with parental, parental alienation. Uh, and I have been, um, over the past number of weeks, um, building up a, a file on emails and texts that I've been getting with regards to people who are being alienated as a parent. Can I, can I say that it's not always fathers? I have some examples of mothers as well. Um, And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because uh, I had wanted to go back to it sooner but didn't get an opportunity. And then I saw a court case in the Independent where this is a case before the judge who dismissed the prosecution's case incidentally. It was against a father who was accused of breaching a safety order by sending a birthday card with 20 euro inside the card to his 12-year-old daughter. It was a case in Ennis. I won't say anything about the issues involving the, uh, the case itself because I know very little about it. And, uh, and it's not relevant. But apart from the fact that the judge asked in court, have we reached a stage in our society where a man is deemed to have breached a safety order by sending a birthday card to his daughter? He asked, was there anything in the birthday card? And the man's solicitor said, 20 euro. 20 euro. To which the judge then responded, all right, next case please, and he dismissed it. Uh, the couple had three children together and the mother went to her local guard station to make a formal complaint after receiving the birthday card for their daughter from her former partner on a date in January th- this year. He was brought to Ennis District Court later that day and appeared in court in connection with being charged with an alleged fe- uh, offence released on bail and then it went to court. And the judge asked the question, rightly so, uh, have we reached a stage in our society where a man is deemed to have breached a safety order by sending a birthday card to his daughter? Now, I'll come back to many emails and, uh, and stories that you guys have been sharing with me on this. But I had an opportunity to catch up with a chap by the name of Tony some weeks back to talk about parental alienation and the struggles that many people go through. Um, And he has been dealing and working with people himself over the years who are going through the court system and are all very much new to paying maintenance, legal separations, and issues like that. Uh, But one of the points that he wanted to make, and he made it very well, is that you don't necessarily need legal representation when you're going through this because it can be just so expensive uh, and that you can do it yourself.
10: It's costing definitely within the region. You're talking over ten grand, like if solicitors are getting involved. And what I always, what I always advise people on that they don't know that they're they're not aware themselves that they're able to do these things themselves, you know. So I was speaking with a fellow by chance, I was up the country there last week, and he was he wasn't he was being denied access. So I, I, I told him do what I done in my own situation, and he did that. He wasn't get to see his children or he was refused access to Corona, make a complaint in the garage station and take a note, get a copy of it himself. And keep the copies of them, and then go into the like any anyone can walk in off the street and go in and make an application for an enforcement of access order and in the court. You know? And yeah. also, yeah. it was just it was just when I gave the bloke a bit of hope, and he knew he could do it himself. But 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 the question I always ask him afterwards is, "How come your solicitor didn't tell you you could do that?" And they they, they won't nearly. Like, so much of it you can
3: much of it you can do yourself as opposed to spending, yeah. as you say, up to ten grand to have solicitors process exactly. and go through yeah. it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, but it's, what Why did you say that judges don't take, say, I mean, so you've been through the family court system and you are now helping Mm -hmm. others. Are you hearing stories from others? um, Because in your email, you said the judges don't take seriously breaches of access, for instance
10: no, no all. I, uh, like uh, I've I heard all the stories from other people, and and it's the same lingo the whole way. Like, uh, and and you're waiting, as I say, you'll be waiting eight months to get into court, and uh, it's sort of horrendous. Actually, you're sitting outside the courthouse like with your ex and sitting next to kind of thing, and it just, there's no privacy whatsoever.
3: They, <laughs> they could be eight months waiting to get into court for a lack yeah, of eight, for a breach of access.
10: And, yeah, and, and eight months alone routine their children.
3: And, and how and quickly would they be in court, say, for instance, if the man or woman, for that matter, didn't pay maintenance? Would be, would they be in court faster?
10: I'd imagine you would, yeah. If there are stories, so, uh, there'd be a warrant of your arrest, right away, and you'd be arrested and brought to the, brought court more or less
3: the next day. And have you spoken with, is it primarily men or would there be women as well who would be paying maintenance?
10: It's primarily men, but I have spoken with women as well and helped women in in, uh, in the same situations as well. And just advise them that they that they don't need to be fucking up this big money, because as far as I see it, solicitors are working and there's no money in solutions basis. Basically, believe it's a fast problem fixed or losing out. You know, it just drags on and on and on and on, and it's just money, just people. As as I explained in my email, just people have to losing their children, probably have to losing their homes. Probably after losing their jobs and having a pit up penniless, penniless.
0: From yeah.
10: Solicitors are taking
3: from them. yeah, you said every person I have helped have been left virtually penniless from solicitors' costs yeah. on top of yeah. anguish, hurt, loss, loss of children, family, structure, house times, house, and sometimes jobs.
10: Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100% it's the fact that I'm hearing all the
3: time on the phone, you know. So you take at least five phone calls a week, you say, from suicidal parents. Talk to me about that.
10: Yeah, there's are parents that are very hard. I have parents crying on the phone to me. They're, they're at a loss of what to they do. They've nowhere to turn. There's very little help. There seems to be one or two groups out right, operating in Dublin that you can contact for help. And as I said, she had a scoop that we were starting off for. doesn't matter. So, and Cork was kind of gaining momentum a bit. But the COVID came in then and all the meetings stopped, you know. But um, there, there seems to be very little help out there and support out there. And even uh, guided by the courts themselves, they don't even offer any after support or support during anything like this. It does, does like even, even to put it widely when you go into the maintenance office to pay money in the maintenance over the counter, does not even support groups on the wall. You know, does not even help groups. where you can contact? It's horrendous, Neil. Horrendous. You know, and I, I obviously don't want to go into any details about what people are saying, but they are definitely talking down the roads of suicidal You know,
3: a parent who is just so down, so depressed, so sad about not having access to their children that life isn't worth living. Exactly, and they've also so, ratcheted up huge amounts of debt, and probably have are homeless in some cases. Are they?
10: And basically, and and, and on the top of all, that's the most hurtful thing in the lot is that the, the, the children are gone, and the longer they're gone, then the, uh, the next thing then is alienation. That they're being told that their children doesn't want to go with them, and they can't do not, they, It's it's like it's like losing a child. It's like a, it's like the death of a child, really. You know.
3: But what can what can a support group actually do, really? To be honest, apart from listen to people's stories, I mean, what can you do apart from tell somebody you don't need to well, spend ten grand with a solicitor? You you know you can not give them advice as to how to speed up the system.
10: No, no, no. But I'd say like uh, like even to just actually acknowledge that there's somebody else going to say, through the same thing because you feel so alone when you're going through it. Dude. You know, it's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like an endless pit of despair you're in. But even even at the thought that when you're talking to somebody else, it's have to been down that road, and even to give them hope, even by the, the, the mere fact of walking into a court house and actually applying for an enforcement access order yourself and doing stuff about it, you actually feel a small bit taller and you're not sitting back, you know? It's and just, it, it basically just gives people hope, really, you know? And the
3: people that do it themselves then... Are they treated equally by the judge, as opposed to how they'd be treated if they had a solicitor representing them? How do the judges react to somebody representing themselves?
10: That all depends on the day. It all depends on the day, what mood the judge is in, what form the judge is in, what judge you get, what jurisdiction you're in, what county you're in, what courthouse you go to.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a lottery. You know,
10: it is like, and it's just, and, and... no, you'd be so anxious outside waiting winning. you're waiting months and months for this to happen and all of a sudden just like a quick sentence you, sometimes you're not even allowed
3: to speak So you could in, you could be years going through trying to correct access issues and still never solve it but find no. yourself penniless and broke as a consequence of it 100% yeah 100% And you said that and this is a quote the guardy will won't even entertain a complaint when brought to them W- no. What kind of a complaint Are you referring to Are you t- referring to A lack of access A court order for access Is it
10: Yeah Well a court order for access On the bottom of the court order Is stated That anyone in the breach Of a court order Can be Imprisoned Or fined up to Two and a half thousand euros So it's a criminal offence It's written in small Right So in it's a court
3: soon. order Which makes it a legal document That the guardie yep. treat differently To the document That they would be presented with If you didn't pay maintenance Where you'd be arrested Yeah but you're, yeah. That's that's completely at odds with with justice, fair justice, one hundred percent. And that's what I'm
10: hearing all the time. Have all you right. have
3: you spoken and given advice to people who've told you stories like that, where the guards haven't uh, taken access orders I seriously? Have.
10: I have t- spoken to people that they won't listen, that the guy's the, the response to this was, we can't do with that, we have to go to court, hotel that or that'll go to family law." So but does anybody to say, say hang on a
3: second, if it was a, a court order with regarding maintenance not being paid, and forgive me for saying it, if it was a maintenance payment that wasn't paid by a man, would they be faster then?
10: I, I mean, her stories, yeah, of uh, you just get a knock on the door, and arresting you for who of a maintenance, you will have to be in court right there. I've heard stories of being brought in, brought in handcuffs and got straight to court prison. God. Plenty of those stories, immediate, with immediate effect.
3: But not the same kind of result if you have a court-ordered access that isn't being um, fulfilled. That person who's denying the access doesn't get arrested.
10: None at all. Eh? None, none at all nothing at all done like that. And that's why I was so upset when I heard Vicky. Like, when, when, I heard you, Vicky when you
3: heard Vicky Buckley, the solicitor, you didn't agree with everything she was saying,
10: I couldn't. You? I actually was... Uh, i tell you one thing. She's, uh, she's definitely not operating in the same courts that I've knowledge of, and I've been hearing about, because uh, as long as I, uh, I've been dealing with people and spoke to people, the judges do not take a breach of an access order very, very seriously.
3: Okay, okay. I've never
10: heard of anybody Get you see, from yeah. see,
3: what I remember from our conversation more than anything is that, you know, two adults need to work it out amongst themselves rather than it getting into a legal system in the first place, which yes. I thought was an amazing thing for a solicitor to say because she's doing herself out of fees. But that's what she said nonetheless.
10: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and people go down that road. People have, have offered mediation to their ex-partners, but they won't accept it. Some partners go to court to try and make as much money as they can of people for maintenance. They might get maintenance, but they might bring them back to court to get more maintenance and more maintenance.
3: And has father's um, matters spoken with, you know, a parent, man or woman, who feels that their ex-partner is uh, using the children as a tool and a weapon against them?
10: All the time. All the time, Neil. That goes for both women and men. All the time. Constantly. Yeah. It's actually it's actually a form of child abuse as far as i concerned.
3: Because we forget because we forget about the child in the minute, middle who's entitled to a mum and a dad even though they don't well, get on.
10: Well obviously that's the most important thing of anything. And it's always the first sentence like uh, like when I uh, representing myself in party advice I give to anybody is it's always the first sentence sentence your mood and it's the most important thing. It's the children always come first in this and I hope you know. But like being denied access like that to your children, you're not seeing them, like it's horrendous, like missing communions, missing confirmations, you know, logo. So uh, are and, their dads and on pause? You, 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 yeah. you, kind of you kind of get into a rut then, like that, that if you go down to make a scene, even if you, do get, if you do get access, you're worried if you're going to upset the children, you know. You're not going to force away to, to get the children from the house or meet them outside the school or anything like that. So it's kind of like an endless pitch, you know. Oh my God. You're like, your to go back to court, like.
3: Like if, oh yeah, like if a parent turned up at a a school gate outside of an access arrangement, there'd be trouble, wouldn't there?
10: Well, there would be trouble, but if they turned up and they were awarded access, and and say if the mother just paid up and and said, you're not getting the child. I mean, at the end of the day, the the, the mother might say that and the father might be there, but the child at the end of the day is going to be upset, Neil. Have and you done s- any love for the child, you, that's what you respect straight away. That's the first thing that comes into your mind. I don't want to cause the a scene upset the child. You know? I don't want to see exactly, them crying or distraught. Exactly, and it, all, uh, it always man. relates to, them to It always, it always, it always, it always of that, because I've even heard stories, and other people would say, so why don't you know, which, uh, just go down to the house somewhere outside the door? But it's uh, easy for people to say, you know? But when they're in that situation, you don't want to see your children upset and frightened.
3: And the people that you've helped, and the group has helped, in these five or six calls that you take a week, would would any of them have addiction issues because of it or be on medication for depression and stuff like that
10: uh, no I, I haven't heard of any of them with addiction or have never even spoke about addiction like that you know and uh, it's, it's it's hard it's a lot of them I'd say nearly 80% of them are actually at the wits end and are basically penniless from solicitor's costs and you're, you're led, to, led to a situation we have to go back into court again we'll have to go back into court again and, and, and you're talking the fees are sure, going like, up, and up
3: and up but if you can't afford to pay it ultimately some of them must just give up
10: that's, 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 that's what happens
3: that's what happens so you kind of push a pause button until your son or daughter or sons and daughters turn 18 is it and they can well, make up their own I
10: eh? exactly Sorry, exactly uh, uh, the best the only option when it all else fails, that you can just hope to the fact that your child grows up and, uh, and makes a decision themselves and returns to you, you know. And people that are really down and don't don't down every avenue, you can end up end up having that kind of conversation with them in the end, like, and saying, "Look, at the end of the day, the child might come to their senses and come and, and approach you," you know.
3: So if the money runs out, yeah, yeah, no, it's good to have a log of everything. I understand that it from,
10: is, and that's very important, just the writing things down. But even memories, you know, like even cards and stuff like that, to send it, even to write down little cards and stuff like that, like and. You know, if you don't see your children on birthday, you even write know little it like in a book somewhere, you know it's your birthday today, and I'm thinking you today, and just always have it. Maybe when they're you can show them all these things. You know. Somebody said that.
3: somebody said to me on the air that you should, if you don't have physical access or a physical relationship, you should develop a relationship by mobile phone or tablet or um, or online.
10: It's an option, I suppose. No, oh, no, it's not the answer, yeah, but it's an option. Yeah, it's yeah. not the answer, no. It is, yeah. It is an option, like, and I suppose, like, you could start, like, it could be a basis as well to start off doing that, like, if you could, if if you could do that, you know.
3: But would you ever come across people who perhaps did something like that, and it was deemed to be outside of an access order, and there was trouble over it?
10: No, uh-huh. I haven't really come across that, no. Across but something.
3: but you said if you can help in any way and support anybody going through this, that you certainly will. Does that mean that you would be okay with your number being given out if somebody no. were to contact us?
10: No, not a bother, Neil, anybody at all. I need help. It's just even dealing with my own situation. It helps me to help other people to deal with my own situation anyway. And, you know, I thought I could help anyone. It's not going down that road,
3: like, because it's at the least they won't feel that they're the only person in the world going through right. it. Exactly. You said that it's <laughs> very common.
10: It's very Well, I have about 50 numbers on my phone, and I father after lot the names, and mother after some of the names, so, you know, I'll just by their first names, and they contact me back and say, oh, you know, things are good you now, and things, you know, so there's not a lot of success stories from it, but look, listen, if we can't give them anything else, we can give them hope, you know.
3: And will Father's Matters start. Father's Matters means it's just dads, though, doesn't it?
10: Uh no well no mothers mother uh, women come as well. Selena came to one or two meetings as well when when used to go on, you know, but it was only just getting off the off uh, off uh off the ground before. Yeah, yeah. And things kinda of went down again, you know.
4: All right. Well look,
3: um I'm quite sure that we will get some contact from people who would like to have a listening ear like yourselves if you don't mind and we'll we'll swap details. No, Is that all right? No problem, Neil. Thanks for ringing me, okay? Not at all. Thanks so much for taking the club. Appreciate All the, right, Appreciate it. All the best. Tony from Fathers Matters, and he is happy enough for us to share his phone number. If anybody would like to reach out and chat with him, if you're in a place where you could do with a bit of advice or a bit of direction, text us, text 0868104106 and I'm happy to pass on his phone number. One of the points that he made there, he said uh, during that conversation, every person I have helped have been left virtually penniless by solicitor's costs on top of the anguish and hurt of losing um, he also made a point that for solicitors, he said, there is no money in solutions. So your thoughts on all that, text 0868104106. got some emails and texts after the break.
0: Call the Neil Prendiville Show now, 1850
3: 106 Red FM. Um, I'll also double check as well with Tony when I get an opportunity to see if perhaps I just give his mobile number out on the air rather than people having to go through me as the, as the conduit in the middle. But if you have been emailing me on this in the recent past... And and you notice that when I read the email out, I may have, been, may have been editing it or taking aspects of your conversations with me out of your email. And believe me, that's for all the right reasons. Um, I just want to be absolutely 100% sure that I'm not attracting any untow- un- unwarranted attention to any particular case. So that's the reason why I may well be editing or chopping back some parts of emails. But this is a show on parental alienation. I've been on to you before as of a family member going through this. People dealing with this need to document every text, every conversation, every email. Do it with uh, the other parent, anything, you know, with your ex-partner. These mothers will stop at nothing to keep their dads from their children. They will lie Block all contact, post vile comments on social media, and the biggest of all, they will play the victim constantly. They don't ever stop and think what they're doing to their children. They behave, they like to believe that they are the best mothers out there. If they were, then they wouldn't steal a very important member from their children's lives. Lots of children out there are living in fear of the consequences of loving their father, so they erase him to keep their mothers happy. These dads need to apply for section 4732, so the voices of the children are heard. It's expensive, but they will interview all parties, including the children. Please keep highlighting this topic, Neil. It's so vitally important to men going through this and, most importantly... To their children. Uh, Thank you for raising the topic of what happens when parents separate uh, and one of them decides to hurt the other by using the children and playing the system against the other parent. I sent you a couple of messages earlier indicating that it is no longer only the father's problem. The issue was not understood well by your solicitor on air. In most cases where parental alienation occurs, as this is exactly what you touched on in your interview, cooperation between the parents as well as logic and rationale, are impossible to imply. The alienating party with impunity will do anything to hurt the target partner, the target parent, going as far as using their children as weapons against her or him. I really hope you find the time to research this topic deeper. I can send you all necessary information and I can connect you with real people who are ready to share their stories, including grandparents and alienated, now adult children most of us are afraid to do uh, as we uh, most of us are afraid to do so as we have ongoing proceedings in court at the moment and we're gagged by the in camera rule but if we don't speak up nothing will be resolved and our children will suffer life lasting consequences of this ordeal it's not as much about the justice to be served but the access to help and support the victims of parental alienation they deserve that there are no reunification therapies in ireland no prevention intervention It feels like the death sentence for the crimes we didn't commit, and many of us lose our health and some lose their lives. And the results of the children are terrifying, yet the problem is ignored by the media, the state, and non-government organizations created to support families, children, and victims of abuse. Please help and become our voice. Looking forward to hearing from you. I think sometimes, thank you for that email, Uh, I think sometimes the reason why you say that, um, uh, that you seem to be ignored is... The in-camera rule and rules regarding the courts um, handed down by the courts penalty-wise are very strict against the media and you have to be unbelievably careful. I mean, I, I referenced that court case of the, the the dad who was up before the court in Ennis because he sent a birthday card with 20 euro in it. I'm, I'm assuming that under normal circumstances that would not ever be tolerated by the guards. It would never even get into a court. But you got to bear in mind that there was a safety order in place against that dad. Uh, I'm still not saying it's right, uh, but I don't know the, the reasons as to why there was a safety order. But it wasn't that he was an alienated parent who was brought to court for sending a birthday card. It was because the mother and the guards deemed it to be a breach of the safety order. So you can see it's, it's, a, it's a very delicate place. It's a, it's a trampoline. I'm sorry. It's a tightrope, really. You're walking a lot of the time with the courts. This one is heavily edited. Um, just, and I'll, I'll come back to it again after I've Heavily edited. I separated from my wife, I have beautiful kids. I went through years of hell trying to get proper access to my kids. I was given access, but after a while, it stopped. I brought a motion order against her and back to court again. I was given access. The judge called my ex at the time controlling. Well, some weeks passed. Access stopped again. Went back into court. Um, then there was uh, section 47 ordered. This is a few sessions with a court-appointed child psychologist. Uh, all this went on, uh, reports were written, back into court again. But this time, thankfully, the judge was having none of it and said that if I had to bring her back to court again for access, he would have no problem in sending her to prison for a week. He then made a small speech about restoring my dignity as a father and wished me well. Uh, I am now divorced and I have great access with overnight access as well. And this was all because my ex just wanted total control over me. But can I say, after all this was over, I was left with a legal bill of 22,500 euro. There needs to be a serious overhaul of family law in Ireland. Love the show. Don't give up my personal details. And 22 and a half grand is nothing to be scoffed at, incidentally. And more so, following my conversation with Tony, assuming you have the wherewithal the smarts and the time to represent yourself in court. There is a big bill saved there if you were to do it yourself. Not everybody can, and maybe not everybody has the courage or the strength to do it, but he's saying you don't always need to have a solicitor to go back into court with you. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. 22 and a half grand. Have a listen to this. Listening into your program this morning, maintenance is actually paid until the child has finished college. So that could be 23 or 24 years of age, not 18 as you said. I could write a book about my experience in relation to the courts, maintenance, parental alienation, etc. It's just incredible what's going on. Fathers in Ireland have no rights in this country My legal fees for judicial separation and divorce eventually came in at just under €50,000. Nobody knows the pain of having your children removed from your life. It's like a living bereavement. Someday, someone's going to lose the plot in one of these courts, I think. €50,000 in that regard. Uh, Please don't give up my details. Family law in Ireland is outdated and needs to be completely overhauled. It is stacked against the male at every stage. Court appearances cost money. And only serve the system. Women need to be held accountable for false accusations in court. More on this, please, Neil. You're a brave man to take it on. Uh, And one final one, and I will come back after 11. Just wanted to email with regarding the issue of parental alienation. It is not an issue that is something that just affects men. It affects both men and women. I am an alienated mum. This is a heavily edited email. Um, My son um, is young. Uh, My partner decided to leave. Both my children, but my son especially, have been manipulated by their father for years. I have not seen my son since November, uh, and before that I saw him only here and there. My ex stated that my son wants nothing from me or my family. My son didn't want to open any presents from me or my family. I have met my son at the school gates while collecting other members of the family. He won't even say hello. He scurries away as fast as he can. Uh, My ex blocks any support I try to bring to help the situation. Um, There's a lot then regarding uh, personal issues regarding the children that I can't read out. And then there's issues regarding um, different interventions that she tried to um, get help with. But she says, this is all just the tip of the iceberg. If it wasn't happening to me, I honestly would not believe it could actually happen. I and my extended family haven't seen my son for many many months a child not wanting uh, to see his um, mother this is not normal or right if you are talking about it please do give a balanced perspective as there are many alienated mums as well and thank you for that and one by email here before i finish i've not seen my child for months the alienation started when she was young found texts on her phone saying how as her i found texts on her phone saying how as her mother I was a B-I-T-C-H and a liar. It went from that into uh, her later years. My daughter started abusing me verbally for no reason. Um, I don't know where my daughter is now. Uh, I'm in support, a support group for alienated mothers, Um, And then there's other aspects of the email that I can't read out then because they would attract too much attention to the particular case. But it's another example of it not just being dads who are going through alienation. And in one way, I'm glad I'm getting emails. You know, I know it's awful for people, but I'm glad I'm getting emails from mothers as well as dads because for far too long, I suppose, we always thought it was dads were alienated and were in and out of court. And you find yourself going to jail very, very quickly if you don't pay maintenance. But you don't find the other partner going to jail anytime quickly for denying access. Anyway, we'll come back to that and lots more besides, so do get in touch, particularly if you have a story to share, email neil at redfm.ie. We'll pick it up after 11.
6: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from
0: 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106, Red FM. This is the Neil Friendeville Show.
3: Uh, Court orders are useless. My ex constantly uses the kids as a weapon. I wasted a lot of time in court myself and I got nowhere. I have a court order, but I don't even get to see the kids. I pay maintenance and I pay the mortgage. Morning, I have a similar problem with child access. I went to court, I got guardianship and an access court order to see my child and have overnight access too. I have a new partner with the last couple of years and since I moved in with her, my ex is stopping access to my child. She doesn't want her staying at my new address with my new partner. My child has met my partner numerous times and she has a child herself. They get on great. Do I have to go back to court for this now? Uh, Sorry now, but the judge does not take it seriously. Going to court can cost up to 10 grand. People can't afford that, you know. Most of the time, the judge will give custody to both parents, but visitation is at the discretion of the mother. She can just refuse access to the children, and there's nothing you can do about it. I know someone went to court, and the judge refused to set out visitation rights. The judge said, you're both adults, you can figure it out yourself. The reason they were in court was for access in the first place, so clearly they couldn't figure it out themselves. Uh, very interesting points there with regards to you know like okay, so I've said about doing it yourself and not having um, a solicitor represent you, but isn't there wouldn't there be access to free legal aid for cases like that where somebody just can't afford uh, solicitor's fees and surely citizens information would be a good place to get advice on that the system is a joke and the only winners in the situation are you guessed it solicitors the real issue is there are no consequences for mothers even when they break court orders but if the man breaks them he will be jailed that's the real issue my advice to men is to cut the mother out of the picture as soon as possible use technology to communicate directly with your kids it's not the same is it I feel for the chap on the air. That, this is an email from some weeks back who uh, had kids in Canada and was over and back for visitation. I'm in a similar situation with my own kids in Australia. Dads have very limited rights when it comes to kids, and sometimes mothers can be so heartless. I must pay extra if I want pictures of my kids, huh? And pay maintenance every week. My kids are held at ransom. Um, I have not seen my children for a long time now, particularly due to COVID. And I can't travel. All I can say to that man is as time goes by, it will get better. Um, Listening to discussion on children from separated parents being used, please ask the adults that were once children in this situation to speak on the radio to you. That's very interesting, actually. It would be good to talk with people who were those children caught in the middle of this breakup and the bitterness and hatred between parents who have now grown up, you know, but were children at the time, it might do some good. I'm a grandparent now looking at my, uh, I'm a grandparent now looking at my daughter that was put through this saga in her young life and the damage was horrendous. Solicitors promote this angle of holding children, but they're not around to pick up the pieces later in life for those shattered children's lives. It appears to me that mothers are by and large the ones that use this tactic by and large. I'd love to discuss it on air my voice would be recognised. And there's many more like this. There are no rights for dads in this country. Uh, Dads have no hope. Society has been eroded by successive Irish governments. Morning, I've been alienated from my children by my ex-husband in revenge uh, for domestic abuse issues. I haven't seen my eldest for years. We have joined custody, but are constantly in court. Court orders and family courts have zero value. There are no repercussions when it's broken. And no consequences for the person breaking the court order. I'm fighting to see my kids for years. I've been in court over 40 times. Children are alienated. Judges do nothing. Now, I suppose at this stage, I must just walk away. And that's from a heartbroken dad. And these are just many texts, a selection of texts, 0868104106. We've got calls on the way after the break.
0: Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0868104106, FM. And I will come back to more emails and texts and uh, get back to that conversation over the
3: course of the morning. If anybody wants to uh, get in touch, email neil at redfm.ie. may even have an opportunity to talk with you uh, off the air. Um, anyway, back to calls from earlier this morning on different topics. One of them was Seamus's Vox on Irish alcohol consumption consumption. consumption and how do we stack up around the rest of the world Seamus wanted to pick up on that point Seamus good morning good morning Neil how are you doing well so because I was referencing that we're not the worst in the world there are other countries like America's got a big problem with alcohol for instance and and drugs as well and maybe even the UK might be up there with us what do you think
11: I believe the UK is far worse I've been there many times um whether it be for weekenders work or um Just trips in general. I lived there at one point and I think it's far worse over there. If anybody's been to any any of the cities, you know, the tourist ones outside even London, but the the like of Manchester, Liverpool, um, Newcastle, uh, Birmingham, any of these cities. If you look at these cities on a Saturday night, uh, you know, a lot of them, a lot of the young people, especially even to this day, um, they live for their Saturday nights and Saturday night in any of these cities, I mean, they make, you know, Cork, Dublin, Galway look like small villages, you know, that are very quiet. They're wild. Like, I I just don't believe that the the problem is as bad as it's made out to be by the media here. You know, I I know you you listen to stories in the Irish media and a lot of it is in line with government narrative as well, as we know. A lot of people do know. They're saying it now more so, more now than often. More often now than, than, than it happened before, but like... You know, uh, there's uh, alcoholism is a problem in every country, all around the world, most Western countries anyway. And in Ireland, it, it has its problems, but I don't believe it's anywhere near as bad as uh, what you see in the
3: UK. Okay, but I mean, let's say twenty nowadays, or thirty years ago, would you have had um, uh, your, would you have yeah, had young secondary school students, young secondary school students going into school with hangovers? uh not I can't, I can't imagine much of that would be happening to this day,
11: but. I mean, back in the day, maybe, yeah, yeah, 20, 30, well, 20, 30 years ago, I mean, would you even have that? Maybe 20 years ago, um, I suppose the drink was more on the scene. Like, for young people now, like, young people don't really drink that much anymore. They're more into, they're actually more health conscious than we've ever been, you know? Oh, there are,
4: there's, there's a parallel
3: society. There are one section of society who is getting healthier and fitter and minding what they eat and yeah. drink, but there's an equal amount who aren't.
11: There are, but, like, I mean, you know if you walk down the street do you see many alcoholics like falling around the place I know a lot, a lot of these drink uh, problems are probably uh, I don't know if they really are if that's, uh, compiled, you know in the background um, by phone calls to helplines or whatever or, or cases that are reported to the agency I don't know but you don't you certainly don't see it on the streets I mean it's not too often you'll come across you only come across the alcoholic or whatever at the checkout yeah, yeah, you know but maybe wine right. at first thing in the morning or something. but you know, I don't think it's as bad as the UK. The UK no. is off the scale compared to
3: Ireland. Well, I don't have the stats for what's happening in family homes in the UK, but the evidence is there from last week with regards to what's happening in way too many Irish homes, where you have a binge-drinking parent one in three, where you have yeah. uh, problems in the home regarding ch- children growing up, where there's, uh, it doesn't have to be violence or temper issues. Many people yeah. just talk of an atmosphere, the key in the door. You know, what kind of form is he or I suppose sometimes she going to be in children living in fear?
11: Let's say it does exist, you know, there's no doubt that it exist. But at a grand scale, like I mean, remember an island of 4.5 to 5 million people, you have 60 million people thereabouts in the United you know, Kingdom and a, a landmass that's, I mean, it's not even proportionate when you, when you look at the, 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 the population. There, there's, a, there's a lot more social problems given the land mass that you have in the UK and the population. You know, the UK is only roughly, if even double the size, if even, of uh, the land mass of Ireland. And we've only 4.5 million people. There's 15 times the population over there. are far more social problems. And it is evident in the UK, especially on drinking nights, be it the Friday, Saturday or Sunday nights, they drink in the afternoon. I've worked over there and I was kind of a little stunned like oh it's just like uh, you know a scene in Coronation Street or EastEnders where we, where we do go for a pint in the afternoon they do do these things we don't do that here in general we don't most of us don't who work and I know they, 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 the problem may be a domestic problem I think that's frowned time.
3: upon in the UK now I mean
11: isn't maybe this? but they still do it. they still do us they still do it. you know don't be you losing, they do. and you know they're far more relaxed when it comes to rules and regulations in the UK compared to here you know I, th- I just think uh, at some level like I remember Michal Martin uh, you know a couple, it was a couple of decades ago I know he introduced the, the smoking ban and it was frowned upon and it was a kind of a to do thing with the, the punters and the pub and so on if you look back uh, at the records but you know that was one good thing I have to say you know for the health of people in general and especially the staff that work in these places but I th- it's, Ireland is too easy it, it, it's the stick almost that can be used by the government to say oh we're notorious for having a drink problem we're known as a a nation of drinkers but we're not really anymore you know this nation's evolved and I, I, I don't believe I know I'm not I'm trying to di- I'm not trying to disrespect the, the domestic side of it, and the issues that take place there they're very serious you know I mean I mean look at murder suicides and families you know it's just it's, it's a horror like and it's it's too it's, it's happening too often as well uh, okay. I don't know if you know, there's a multitude of issues, but I just don't believe... That uh, yeah, I just, be I'm just okay. thinking
3: just, I'm just thinking about, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, by and large, yeah. young people didn't drink. They just they just didn't. And our, our, further back then, our parents, really? um, yeah. it wasn't a huge big deal. In fact, I mean, it wouldn't even be tolerated now if you even thought about going to a dance where there wasn't a bar at it. But that was perfectly normal back then,
11: you know. Socially, it wasn't accepted socially for, like, young you wouldn't I thought. I'm not sure I that area like you wouldn't have No I mean you can go for water. a walk
3: now certainly in the last 12 months forever. where was I recently up around Beaumont Quarry now there are people in the area doing their best to clean it up and I see they clean up with black bags and everything in fairness to them but on a time when they haven't got a chance to clean up around the quarry for instance um, and these aren't like these aren't 30 or 40 somethings that are doing the drinking and the cans and the bottles and the flagons and the yeah. vodka and all this the amount of drink-related waste in that area is just depressing. It's shamefully depressing. Yeah. And we are talking about young people here. Like, when I was yeah. a kid, we went to the same place, Beaumont Quarry, the, the chicken rock. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. there was going to be rubbish, it would be a can of Coke or a, or a sweet wrapper. Yeah. So, please, please, I mean, listen to what I'm trying to say. I may not be making the point of it. Something has changed somewhere down through the years. There has been a change. Maybe, respect- that, maybe that supermarket selling it. Maybe alcohol is so cheap. I, I don't know. I don't know what it, it could, is. Could be.
11: I think, you know, For if, I don't know if you know of alcoholics, but like, people who drink or who are alcoholics, they're, they're just unhappy people, you know, and a lot of cases they're very unhappy and their, their problems are more socio, if not economic or socio-economic, rather than just pure addiction. You know, people take something because they, they, they have a problem or they're unhappy. And, you know, those problems, and I hate to say it you now, and I have to say it, but a lot of these problems, over, especially over, you know, in, in the big cities around Ireland, and, you know, the, the problems that have evolved are, 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 as, are as a result of government policy. They've failed people miserably at some level. And this is the net effect of what happens. Although, in the same respect, I don't believe it's a stick that's used, you know, like they might use alcohol and attack on alcohol or opening or they may debate that or try to try to ban alcohol or whatever. It's not going to solve the problem really. You're just kind of moving the problem to another. Do demand. you okay just yeah.
3: find do you believe that successive governments don't tighten up on whatever we need to tighten up on alcohol? Think, because they want to keep the, they want to keep us sedated, is it? Well, yeah. Okay. At some levels, they do. They, 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 they go okay.
11: along with their own narrative, whether it be revenue or some sort of restriction or some sort of prohibition. Part of or the report also
3: last week that I read somewhere in it, somewhere, was, was and I'm just generalising here, to parents, would you stop allowing your children to drink at home at a young age? It is not a good thing to do. Do you have a thought on that? Stop allowing your...
11: Uh, you know, in France, Spain, Italy, as well as a cultural thing, like... Um, parts of Central Europe like you know uh, Belgium Holland you know you can drink at a young age at home it's acceptable but they drink it in small amounts like it, 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 it's a social thing That's basically it. It's how you actually consume your alcohol. Okay, thanks for that. I think it's parental choice. Parents do have just that choice. They should have that choice. I mean, if you start restricting parents from doing what they can, you know, behind closed doors, we've got a real problem. Um,
3: We have a huge problem with alcohol-related hospitalisation. The amount of people going in more than ever before, certainly more than 20 or 30 years ago, with things like liver disease. Way up. 40,000 alcohol-related hospital admissions every year regarding alcohol The length of of stay in a hospital now for an alcohol-related admission is 10 days.
11: Yeah. I know it wastes doctors' time, and the doctors are are sick of it as well. They're sick of it in, you know, Cork, Dublin, the big cities where you used to have, I suppose, teenagers out and having, you know, wild sessions on a night out, and all of a sudden they'd have these people coming in on the trolleys stomach pumping and so on and so yeah, forth yeah, but yeah. for the real alcoholics and the real general day to day problem or the problems that are hidden behind closed doors are the alcoholic that's found like face down in the, in the park you know at 10am in the morning like and somebody has to bring an ambulance and then that uses up precious time by doctors who could be handing to somebody else who may have a serious know,
3: I, know, I know that you make interesting points, but this this shows that alcohol related hospital cases have doubled since the nineteen nineties in Ireland. I mean, what's that telling you? If hospital well, cases are double what they were twenty years ago,
11: well, my response to it be it will be that people people do things for a reason, and people are, must be seriously unhappy. There's a socio economic okay. problem as a result of it, And the the, the the drinking is just uh, a display. It's just an alert to the problem. So okay. The problem is more
3: for you. Thanks, Seamus. Much obliged, as always. Let me get to more calls. Jason standing by first up. Bernice, good morning.
1: Good morning, Neil. How are you?
3: I'm so sorry I kept you waiting so long. Thank you. Tell us, yourself and your partner were in town, was it Sunday?
1: That's right, uh, it, it was about, uh, two, two o'clock just after lunch on Sunday, uh, just down by the bodega there, uh, under the rising sun, the brewery canopies. They're doing, uh, takeaway, takeaway meals and coffees and teas and the drinks and that. But, um, the problem down there is that half the people, half the people down there are bringing their own drinks. There, there was chaps uh, sitting across uh, behind us and across from us they had uh, their own standard bottles of vodka there was some had cases of uh, full beer uh, I presume that they got from Lidl's or that it seemed to be that make and uh, standard bottles of cider and there was a radio blaring away and they seemed to get Great pleasure out of throwing and kicking the radio around the place. Uh, there was uh, there was one one of the chaps then, and he was completely out of it. So, uh, I'd say not just from the drink, but on something else as well. And he, he at one stage he nearly split his head from falling off the marble seating, and they they had to help him up on back onto the. And to the seating and that and there, was, there wasn't a single guard around the, the whole time that we were there and very unusually as well. Uh, usually there'd be two security guards at least for the the rising sun side of it mm. uh, but there wasn't even a security guard around either.
4: And who
3: left first? Did you leave first or did that gang leave first?
1: No, the, the gang left first. But it was the way they. It was the way that they caught the the standard empty bottle of vodka, and they just flung it, and it didn't even care where it landed or anything. Uh, the the glass smashed around everywhere, and could have caught anyone in the eye or anything. And it actually went under the tires of people's cars and that and everything.
3: You see, years and years ago. Because uh, I was a frequenter of the city like anybody in our teens or early 20s. Um, yeah. and, and, we did, and we did get out of control in our 20s, don't get me wrong. And, and we, we, you know, a lot of us were lucky that there weren't mobile phones around back then. But we wouldn't have heard of those kind of incidents on the street with bunches of young people. It just didn't happen. No, um, no. And, and to the best of my knowledge, there was nobody back then drinking a swigging neat vodka from a vodka bottle. It no. just was not happening you know yeah do do you recall it when you were young that happening
1: no, definitely not. And I'm I'm in my mid mid forties now. I wouldn't even have started drinking an ordinary beer or lag or until I was nearly nineteen, twenty at least. Would it be, I was would it on be... the pledge all my
3: life. Yeah, well, we all took the pioneer pin back in the day. I don't know whether they're even whether they even exist anymore. I suppose they probably do. Um, do kids in school get that offer anymore? Do you know? Usually got that for your confirmation, know. wasn't it?
1: I did, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. 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 And w- would it be would it be just from the point of view of balance? I am just curious those those people that you observed on the coke would would they have been deemed as being homeless people with nowhere to go all day and trying to get back into Simon at night, maybe, or, or what?
1: No, they certainly didn't look like people like that. Uh, they they were so they they were certainly well dressed, uh, well enough okay. dressed in that, and okay. they they certainly had uh, enough money to be buying full full standard bottles of, uh, uh, bottles of cider, and they had a, a full twelve pack case of beer and uh, a full standard glass bottle of like huzar vodka or something. So for you, you
3: wanting that. to enjoy, Sunday was lovely wasn't it, it was a beautiful day, you wanted to enjoy the city and go in there yourself but couldn't or would certainly didn't enjoy it because this behaviour is being tolerated is it?
1: Exactly yeah. Yeah, uh, the they, they the noise the uh, noise that they were creating and the the especially uh, even though the radio they had was only a very mini type one, it was the way they kept throwing it around and kicking it and smashing it off everything. Uh, it, it's like as if they were just out to ca- to cause a, a annoyance and trouble mm-hmm. for everyone. Okay,
3: does certainly doesn't sound like a family friendly place that Sunday afternoon.
1: No definitely not that sunday anyway okay. and we we had been down there on the on the friday and satur the Friday and Saturday of the same the same week and there was no problems down there 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 was plenty of security guards and that around and there there was no trouble like that like
3: okay. All right. Thanks, Bernice. Appreciate you coming on the air. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106.
9: The Neil Prindleville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850 104 106.
3: Much of the alcohol consumption that was talking about what I was re- referencing was in the home, and I'm getting calls from other people outdoors and stuff that's been going on since the pubs have been closed. But when you look at the. Uh, a lot of it actually can be just stacked up when you look at the hospital admissions since, say, 1995 and uh, the changes and. Uh, how people are going the reasons people are going into hospital doubling in hospital specifically relating to alcohol um, between one thousand nine hundred and ninety five and now I mean a big big increase and the figures show a forty five percent rise in alcohol related chronic diseases and other chronic dis- uh, conditions say from two thousand and five to two thousand and eighteen alone forty five percent rise in alcohol related chronic diseases a doubling in bed days for alcohol related conditions. Like through the roof when you compare the two, fifty-five thousand in 1995, nearly 178,000 by, by, uh, you know, 2018. Liver disease, alcoholic liver disease, ALD, trebling, um, in, um, in, and the age groups actually are quite scary, alcoholic liver disease. I mean, they see a significant rise in alcoholic liver disease in the 15 to 34 year old age group. So you can't argue, you can't argue that there's an issue when you see the increases in stats regarding hospital admissions so anyway um text 0868104106 pick up the phone on that and we'll stay with calls richard good morning um so that was the carry that was the carry on say for instance in around the cold k and i told of repeated issues up around beaumont quarry and that lovely walk area and um, you wanted to pick up on that issue and this is a, a walkway
5: and um, where will that take you along the tremor valley is it perhaps uh, it's it's I, I would assume that they're going to make it that way, but as it stands, uh, if you start at the coffee's field, it's where people seem to get dropped off, and you can continue walking towards the Kinsale Road, and we just call it the Wella. It, you can interlink it from the Wella Walk her, by the by the post office step there as well. Okay, and what you're, you're saying bike, they're being yeah. they're being dropped off by by the parents, is it? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of parents that would drop off at the coffee's field, friends that would drop them off by cart Builders. You often see them walking over the bridge or getting out of a car and vast amounts of them, like on a Friday night I, w- I was in touch there with the um, Talker Tidy Towns and I've I've joined up I've got my kids giving a hand as well, picking up some litter around the area, but it's um it's the volume, like I went down on a Saturday, night, no, and I expected to see very little because I hadn't gone there in a few years and I remembered why there's so much wildlife on display and there's so much rubbish everywhere I mean, you're you're talking if you were in Black Rock you might see the odd can here someone's tossed a can, but They're talking, if you walk 10 metres, you might see five vodka bottles and 15 cans. And if you keep walking, that's what you're going to be met with. But as far as I know, there's been a lot of help from locals with or 30 Towns. I didn't even know it existed, but they've done water quality testing and a couple of years of it, it has improved with their litter picking for the last few years. But it's an every weekend thing because you see there's a big secluded tunnel and I think it takes you under the link or some sort of area. It's it's under something anyway, but it's dark and it's got lights inside in it and a river. I mean it's it's beautiful, Neil. If you walk down there you'd see what I'm on about, but
3: don't know that area at all, my friend. I don't know it. I will check okay, it out. The
5: coffee's the coffee yeah, the coffee field is by um by Talker, by the Scope Sco Club. If you okay. come over the footbridge there and go left by the football pitches. Um I say it's a couple of miles long, it's a really nice secluded walk, like it has the potential of a black rock for the area. You know, it's a very, very good walk. If people even knew about it, I didn't know about it. I lived maybe two, three years before I even found it, and it was another maybe two years I would say since I've gone on it.
3: And What do you see okay. there now? I mean, I'm assuming you still still well, see the the wildlife can, and the ducks and see, the
5: you can see yeah you can see ducks, you can see more hens, you can see small tiny minnow. I mean, the the green is even lovely. I mean, it's not heavily planted up, and I could see why. If there's teenagers and young adults, it's not just the teenagers, but if they're going down there throwing rubbish, what's the point in putting up lovely raised beds or anything that it has, to, or a fairy garden, something it has the potential of? Like, the volume here is is here because people don't, like, it's not gated. You know, the way down in Black Rock, you have this sort of gate on the, um, the tunnel by Mahon. Yeah. At a certain time of night, they lock it. This This has no lock. And and what,
3: okay, so besides the wildlife, what are you seeing? What kind of detritus? Is it all drink-related?
5: Uh, to be honest, the majority of it is. I'd say 90% of it is drink-related. You obviously have your takeaway wrappers and your crisp packets around the place, but You'd need to see it to believe it, no, Neil, because for such a small little stream with the volume of people, like, I've seen it, I've walked on it, my wife's walked on it, the neighbours walk on it, it's a lovely but walk. please don't tell me that. I mean, really, please it don't tell really me. me. when you you when you see the volume of rubbish, and if the guys from Talker Tidy Towns cleaned up on a Saturday, good chance it's there again Sunday, do you know? I mean...
3: But don't tell me that parents are dropping off
5: their kids. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, the kids I, are
3: getting out with drink out of the cars and the, the SUVs. Yeah,
5: uh-huh. 100%, from different areas. I mean, I I would love to solely blame teenagers, but there's young adults going down there as well. There's people that get out of cars, that have driven cars, that have down there. There's, there's everybody and anybody. And right across from Kerry's Car Store, I've seen people hop in the ditch from there, throwing a bottle of Coke in, you know, what? <laughs> There's, there's everything there, like, and it just seems to be one of those places that. But the parents you know, are dropping. I mean, I, the parents are well, dropping. You know what, Neil? It's, it's, it's the age old story. You know, not every parent. Just because you can have a child doesn't mean you're a great parent. I mean, this is, this is disgrace, and the parents should be shamed for it. But look, they don't. I mean, I, I have three kids myself, and if I saw them throw a bottle, I would believe it.
3: And talk to us then uh, before I let you go with regards to Ireland's problem with alcohol consumption. Not my words, incidentally. That you know, this is uh,
5: again, again, it's, it all it all comes down to your own education. I mean, everybody's entitled to have a beer or a drink if they want at the weekend, if they're not working the following day, and they don't have young kids and they don't have responsibility. But it comes back to responsibility. Like, I mean, you have a responsibility and an obligation if you have kids. You need to, you know, educate them. But there's obviously people that are systematically going to do what's been done by a generation before, and if it's never gotten improved, then it's just going to continue, you know? So, parents are as bad as the kids. You know, I'm sure if you asked somebody about a parent of a child who's given hassle, you know, unfortunately, their previous generation would have been the same, you know? You don't know that for any to,
3: amount of though. I certainty, though.
5: I, I don't want to say that, but no. look, you know, it's... <laughs>
3: I, I, there's a statistic which is
5: it's nothing we're going to solve here in a fall no but I mean you, it's just
3: you, we see these in green areas where they, because in the last 12 months oh, actually the, that's because a lot of the, some of that could be because the pubs are closed you know
5: I don't know Neil I, I remember going there a couple of years back with my kids and it was something similar again I wouldn't okay. have known enough about her I've spoke to the lady that runs talker Teddy Town. she's she was very very helpful she taught me a lot about what's happening there as well and um I remember the last time I was there, it would have been a couple of years, and the same rubbish strewn river was there, and there was no COVID. It just seems to be the spot. I mean, I vaguely remember people talking about it when I was younger, but I can never remember ever seeing or knowing where it was. But it was always a popular place to go drinking, and sure rubbish obviously comes for drinking, you know.
3: Mm, Well, I mean, it would be a lot more acceptable. It's bad enough them doing it in the first place. No, I'm just saying at that age. But like, if nothing else, leave no trace, you know.
5: Well, that's it. You would, you would hope. I would imagine if they put all their cans, all their rubbish into a white bag, and somebody came along from Talker Trader Town, they'd much happily pick up a bag as opposed to dredging through a river and going up on a bank, picking out a can or a bottle here. You know. Okay, nice. I'm fun. sure ducks don't appreciate that much. No, but day. I do.
3: I think we all appreciate the people like you and your kids who go out yeah, there and pick up other people's litter. Fair play. Thanks, Richard. Much obliged. Alex. Good morning. Morning Neil, how are you? I'm good. Keen to hear your thoughts on this, having worked in food and beverage for well over fifteen years anyway.
2: Yeah, um I'm I'm gone out of it now at the moment. Um change of uh, career, like but for the say up until last year, fifteen years, um like a lot of people the country doesn't have a drinking problem. A lot of people do. Um, it's kind of the same as, you know, when you hear about reviews of places. You'll always say a place will get 10 good reviews and one bad review is the bad review that sticks. Like 100 people go out um, in, say, like a pub now or a club or whatever type of environment and everything is all fine. That's grand. But the one person who, you know gets into a heated argument or a fight or, you know, breaks a bottle or does something, that's what you hear about. And, like, there's a lot of these people in 15 years um working in the industry, almost every single... um Not every single night now, because, say, like, I would have worked in hotels, restaurants and stuff as well. Like, it would be the nights where there's occasions where, you know, people are actually going out to drink, not where they're just having one with a dinner. But um weddings, funerals birthday parties, you name it, I've worked for it. And, like, obviously not every single one, but, like, there's always some sort of an issue. Do you know, somebody has an accident because they've had too much drink. Somebody gets into an argument because they've had too much But drink. that's
3: because there's a lot, there's a, a volume of people in one function, you see. Well, there's that too. Um, so the like, chances look- are, if you have 250 people, you know, there's a good chance someone's going to have an issue oh yeah but like even um, at a, particularly at a wedding or a function now.
2: oh yeah but like that that kind of that was kind of towards the the question that was put up you know of the, the drink consumption like on a say an average wedding with a hundred people you'd have say ten that would be underage another ten that mightn't be drinking or they're heading away early because they've worked in the morning the bar would take three and a half to four grand like that's that's a hell of a lot for, say, 80 people and that's not factoring in, you know, the the free wine that went out with the meal, the drinks reception, you know. That's to, just the across people, the bar, yeah. Yeah, the few people that took in a bottle of vodka, you know, in the handbag or whatever, like, um, and I mean, you see, you see it see another uh, like, I'd often see it. I've um, never
3: seen that happen, actually, and there was a lot of weddings and functions in my day, unless they're really, really cute about it, how do they get the bottle of vodka, out of the bag or out of the jacket and into the glass
2: I'm uh, sure it's a big room the people at the table aren't exactly going to care you know they they only have to do it kind of out of um, the staff members eyes and even at that a lot of the time you know you're, like say your hotel teams or your restaurant teams or whatever you've got your core kind of career people and then you've got you know your college students that come in part time half of them don't care you yeah, know yeah, um, yeah. like it's the same as like your um at, at an average wedding, do you know, say like it's a glass and a top up, or a glass and two top ups of wine. But sure, like, if everyone's kind of throwing their waitress, you know, a few bob there as a tip at the table, like they're going to get an extra round of wine. You know, the, the bottles of wine that are left over. Um, but I,
3: but thirty five euro per person across a bar at at a long wedding—that's not a huge amount of money, is it? I mean, like, sure, what would a gin and tonic cost? You nearly the bones of a tenner. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Um, hey, you're on I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Like, but you're still kind of talking, you know. You're taking
2: out, say, maybe 20% of those people for being underage and 20%, well, say, sorry, 20% that would be underage and um, heading way early or something at a time. Like, the point I was kind of going along with, like, is that, you know, the country doesn't have a problem. Certain individuals do. Um, whether it's the people that are drinking at home, the people that are out, because, like... Uh, one of your previous guests mentioned or you were talking about um hospital admissions. Um I had to spend a night in A one time. I got um kidney stones and there was no beds available so I was on a trolley in A E um and I I was in there overnight. Um one I couldn't get a wink of sleep due to the pain that I was in, but like the entire night kinda from eleven PM onwards until about five AM, um the guards were coming in with people that had been arrested that needed medical attention, people that had been you know, brought in by friends and like this wasn't a Saturday
3: night, this was a Tuesday night I know, yeah, and well if alcohol related hospital cases have doubled since 1995 and again, huge number increases since 2005, it's consistently rising, that must also have something to do with the fact that it's not beer that people are just drinking anymore it's hard liquor, it's 40% proof Oh
2: hundred percent. Um in in my time working, like people are gonna go on the pints for the first couple of drinks. Normally about the fourth the fourth drink is kinda when people swap.
3: But I'm wondering, you know, but you know with regards to young people, are they bypassing beer and are they going back in the day it was Alco Pops, I don't know how much of that is sold anymore, but are they just are they going just straight to to to, to um white and brown liquor instead?
2: Well, 100% um look I was no angel when I was younger like uh, uh, in the sense that like I did drink when I was underage um we would have always got um you know a couple of cans and a nagging like that's kind of what everyone in my age group would have been drinking at the time um you would get one or you get maybe two cans and you would get a, a small bottle of vodka or something and that was it like you know to be fair, look, as I said, we were no angels, but at the same time we weren't a complete messers like we were drinking underage, but there was never any trouble or anything like that. Um well,
3: for most people they grow out of it, but clearly not everybody does. If alcohol related liver disease has gone through the roof.
2: a hundred percent. But okay. the thing is like okay. it's compared to before as well, it's a lot easier for people to get drink. Um because like people are very lax in um you know, checking IDs and you'd always see it like in um, say I'd be very mindful of kind of things like that from the industry that I came from. Like I've often been in, you know, Aldi or Dunn's now or even in Super Value or something and you'd see someone getting a, a bottle of vodka or something any black cheese, I would have id Them
3: knows I was in the oh, bar. know what leches. you mean. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Good points. Thanks for that, Alex. Appreciate it. Of course, years and years ago, there was no alcohol in supermarkets because there was no supermarkets and there was no big multi retailers. And there certainly were very, very few off licenses. There was only a handful of them. And they really were just for the hoity-toity back in the day. Anyway, I've been sent a photograph of the Wella, which is, um, an area. I don't know the area, but, um, I see a, t- I see a call there from Carolyn, who's with the Toker Tidy Towns. Carolyn, good morning. Oh, hi, good
9: morning, Nia. How are pho- you? This
3: photograph that has obviously a screen grab of a tunnel area there. There's a tunnel there that goes under a road, is it?
9: That's right. There's actually three tunnels. And there's um, one and the hell of start. a party
3: going on in one of them. It is absolutely yeah. rammed with young people.
9: Yeah, no, do you know now it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic walk, Neil? Um, and part of the reason I just rang there, actually, and I was just uh, telling the girl that I was speaking to is that I'd love to invite you down if you're coming for the walk, and I'd meet you there and take you through the area. Let's do it. Uh, because yeah. again, it's just seats in history. Um, it's called Wella Ferees, obviously. Um, but it's Seaton in history. So it starts at the Toker Community Centre, and it finishes out by Harvey Norman.
4: Let's do it. I mean, when can you do it? Yeah. Someday when the
3: weather is okay. good.
9: Absolutely. You yeah, you have my mobile number there, just give me a buzz. Um, I'm working very locally so I can pop out any time at all. Okay. And so again d- I thought I'd just give you a bit of the history of it and you'll see what we're talking about. Now, I mean in relation like that now to the leisure baking, we do it on a regular basis, obviously there because it's such a well used walk. It's ideal for like we've quite an older generation that look they don't want to be walking out on the street with the traffic and they couldn't go very far, obviously. So what are you so picking up? well used? Um but unfortunately alcohol would be the biggest pick down there. And it will be everything from, you know, vodka, whiskey, cans. Now, there's a couple of people actually walking on a regular basis down there and they actually pick up the cans and bottles as they go um, and they leave them in bags for us.
3: But do you ever feel despondent that in spite of your efforts, it's just back the way it was after you leave?
9: Well, you know, the whole thing isn't back the way it was because we started this in particular by the river about four years ago and we tested the water quality. And unfortunately, it was an area. And again, we've spoken to many a person who has been in Toker for a long time about the story about trout fishing and so on. So I mean, the river had been in impeccable condition years and years ago. So four years ago, we took a water sample and part of our objective was to try and get the water quality back. Um, and we did to a point where yes, there are no trout back into it again. There's a beautiful heron that's always down there. So like the, the wildlife and the birds and so on, they are coming back. Um, and no, we're not going to give up, nearly Like, do we get despondent? Yeah. Do you know you could be tired on the morning where you say I, I could I could be doing this pick now in like ten minutes instead of you know an hour and a half or yeah, something. I know. But, um, but the biggest problem is is that as the gentleman said, it's the case of people dropping. Kids off. It is unbelievable. But are there parents that are so dropping different. them they're off? Pa- they're parents, they're adults <sighs> that pull into people's driveways um, up there by the College of Road and they actually drop the kids off.
3: And are the kids toting bags out. of booze then when they're dropping them
9: yes. off? Okay. Yes. Yeah, they come out with their plastic bags, with their center, test scores, the
3: I suppose the parents think, should so parents might say, okay, my son or my daughter could well be 20, 22 years old. Can't go anywhere, can't socialise, they need a bit of space, they need to meet their mates, they're doing no harm to anyone apart from dropping litter.
9: And you know what I actually there's a very big part of me wouldn't have a problem with that if they just didn't litter the place afterwards. Now we actually put a bin in after the first well, during the first lockdown we put a bin there at the beginning of Coffee's Field. And at the time people were saying to us, Oh, you know, don't buy no it won't be used, it'll be burnt out, whatever. No, it wasn't. People used it. And in fact, to a point where um, Joni, he's a regular litter picker, he's an amazing man outside. We emptied the bin about three times a week. Now, we did this ourselves, not city council. No, and others
3: do as well. I had a walk in the Mangla there a couple of weeks ago and I was blown away by the amount of people with their yellow flak jackets on. They were literally just going around picking up other people's litter. Here's the typical text from the area that you keep clean. I do that walk down the Wella every day. And during the week, majority of the time, it's litter-free or at least not too bad. But from Friday morning onwards until Tuesday... The place is a total mess. There's empty drink cans, bottles, empty, even empty tablet boxes, interestingly. They light fires. Myself and my kids have filled bags of rubbish and put them in the bins. It's terrible because it's such a lovely area and the guards now have started patrolling. I've seen them under the tunnel. It's unfortunate. It's such a quiet place so young people use it and congregate, but you wouldn't mind if they brought their rubbish home. That by text.
9: Hmm. I think that's the general consensus is that if they didn't leave the place in the state that they leave it, we wouldn't even know that they were down there. We're all in bed while they're out there partying. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. so I think it would be... And we tried to get out like that night often. Um, I live to the back of the river. I'm in Greenwood Estate, so I actually live to the back of the river. Um, and you would know at what time the parties are starting by the crowds being dropped off and going down. Um, they often finish up 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. You'd hear them coming back out again. The
3: people that but I see in is, the photograph under the tunnel on the bank holiday weekend, they all look as if they're old enough to drink to me and they're just driven, demented, not being able to hang out with their friends.
9: Hmm. And as I said, that's actually because, you know, there isn't a whole lot of people living in, in that area. So they're like, even the noise factor wouldn't come into it until they're actually coming, leaving the area. And whether that's the Paula Duff side or whether it's our side, it's not really until they're leaving the area that it becomes an issue. But once or twice, I've gone outside that now and had to sweep up broken glass. Because so many people walk their dogs down there, I know, do you know. I and know. again, now like that, you know, people are like people in general are fantastic. You know, they've they've used their bins, you know, as a poo bin. They've um, you know they pick up bottles on their way or whatever. And we will do. We continue to empty the bags, but it's just the specific areas that the parties are going on. As I said, it's it's not the party. Like the kids do have, even the older people, they do actually have to have somewhere to go. Do you know, I'm not totally against that, but I'm totally against the rubbish and what they're doing to the environment okay. and just to the whole space of people walking. It's invasive for people walking along with their kids. Okay, let's do those, that let's do that walk and that.
3: see how beautiful it is. That we'll is. work that out in the coming days, all right?
9: Perfect. Just give me a buzz. OK, no cheers,
3: Carolyn. Take care. That's Text okay. 86 six eight one zero four one zero six. Back in a minute.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one zero six. 106 Red FM. Right, just before you leave you,
3: more good news yesterday. Scoozie announcing. Uh, Scoozies, we are back Friday the 23rd of April. Scoozies is back open for collection and delivery. We'll be open on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 4 to 8 p.m. Thanks for all your patience while we stayed closed. We can't wait to be back serving you the best wings and foods. Uh, We have the most, we'll have more updates for you during the week. So that's good news. I pass it on for you. If you're a Scoozies fan, Danny Boo and the gang, this coming Friday, they'll click and collect. And they're also doing delivery. Ah, we miss all these places, just like we miss our favorite bar people. And I got lots of texts on that. Keep those texts coming, actually. Text 0868104106. You can also interact on social media platforms. Carol Duggan in the Glen Ryan off Blarney Street is probably the best barmaid any pub has ever seen. She's loved by the young and not so young in the area. She helps everyone. And most importantly she serves a savage pint by day and by night. So Carol is also missed in these times. Best bar person, Maloney O'Sullivan for the day shift and easing the heavy heads with more medicinal liquid on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Looking for the lost property from the night before and all of the antics, says Kate. So Meloni O'Sullivan just failed to tell me the name of the pub, but Maloney will know who she is. Eamon Keller from Allen's Bar has to be in the mix. A true gent and a host who always makes everyone so welcome. Always makes a huge effort to make the regulars happy. Where is Alan's Bar for people to check it out? The Bantry Inn. Can't wait for the Bantry Inn to open again in Bantry Inn. Miss Brenda Horahan and Maureen Harahan and Laura Johnson. They have great crack and music. They're my favourites, says Noel O'Donovan. Oh, sorry, my favourite is Noel O'Donovan. So that's Brenda, Maureen, Laura and Noel. Thank you for that, Catherine. O'Sheen from the Mutton Lane pub. He's always in great form. Well, isn't that a great epitaph for anybody? He was always in great form. It's got to be Mr. Stephen Hackett. When myself and my friends first met him, it was in the Shelburne Bar a few years ago. He made us feel really welcome and it was great crack for our weekends in Cork. He is, in fact, the best, says Carmel. Um, Actually, I think Stephen now has nanas, doesn't he? On uh, Douglas Street. Jardine Daly is the most outgoing, kindest, funniest person behind the bar. She's also so friendly and everyone she meets, she welcomes them and she's a people's person but most definitely is a, a hard worker. Whenever she has a job to do, she does it but not only that, she does it to perfection. that's uh, Geraldine Daly. Again, unfortunately, you don't mention the name of the bar. So when you are, please just tell us the bar as well. Have I time for this? Yes, I do. My ma'am, Caroline O'Donovan, is well and truly the most missed bar person in all of Cork. I believe she deserves this accolade for many reasons. She has managed to work as a bar person at Court McSherry Hotel for 40 years. She even used to babysit the now-owner for his parents, when they used to run the place, Courtmac Hotel is a lively place, it has a great reputation for having a great pint of Guinness and service with a smile. It's a small drinking village. <laughs> it's a small drinking village with a fishing problem. <laughs> Courtmac. There's actually a bumper sticker that says that about Courtmac area, isn't there? Drinking village with a fishing problem. And I know that many of the locals miss my mother dearly. I'm currently working in London as an actor. And I really miss my ma'am too. She certainly has the gift of the gab. She would really be given a degree as a counsellor for all her years of listening and helping. Like a priest, she never shares any of the sins she's witnessed in the back bar. <laughs> but I'm sure she has seen some crazy shenanigans in her time in Court MacSherry. Go on, try and find a better woman than Caroline O'Donovan Neal. You'll be a long time looking. Hope you're all doing well. Keep on the good job entertaining the masses. This is Catherine so Sarah Catherine Kelly. On another day, actually, Sarah, I'd love to talk to you about your life in London as an actor, particularly what you've been up to and indeed what you not, have not been up to in the past year. But thank you for your beautiful email about Caroline O'Donovan, your mother, 40 years behind the counter in the Courtmacsherry Hotel and uh, everybody missing. A local pub and their local hostelry. I'm going to love you and leave you. Keep the text coming. Text 086A 104106. You can email Neil at redfm.ie. Most importantly, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
10: Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.